0: It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 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 Worldwide Sports Radio presents The, the, the Haystack, Haystack Show, Show. with Mike Guido. Mike Guido. And
1: it is so good to have you here on the Haystack of the World Wide Sports Radio Network. iHeart, tune in. WorldwideSportsRadio.com. You know where to find us. Number to call 631 676 2968. That is 631 676 2968. Call us up. Join the conversation. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer, our big J journalist, Matt Catarizolo joining us as well. So much to cover today. Look at this. We thought that it was going. And you know what's funny about this? What's funny about today? The NFL. Finally, we're getting kind of towards the brink of like that post-NBA stage. We're getting kind of in back into the NFL, right? Training camps start in a couple of weeks. The NBA is kind of fading out a little bit. The draft's over. Free agency, for the most part, is pretty much over. We finally thought that the NFL was going to get a lead story, and then the NBA said, (laughs) hold my beer no the nba said this did somebody say boom that's right exactly the nba (laughs) comes out
2: and absolutely bombs us i should should, should stand corrected woes woes did that
1: that's right so russell westbrook he is on his way to houston and houston sends to oklahoma city chris paul and Oh, what does it matter? A bunch of draft picks. Great. Eight, eight draft picks. Please. Eight. Uh, right, right, well, uh, what, what is it? A 20, two, two, First round picks
2: in 2024 and 2026. Pick swaps in 2021 and 2025. So, And Chris Paul. So that's what the Thunder Gun returns. And to Matt's point, that's now when, you come, when it includes Paul George trade. Uh, now this trade, that is eight draft picks. And now they have 11, right, when include the Jeremy Grant one.
3: So, so Oklahoma City turned Paul George and Russell Westbrook into Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, Shea Gilchis Alexander, mm-hmm. and eleven draft picks.
1: Wow. So That's Oklahoma so, City just cleaned house yeah, and so pretty they've good. they got eleven draft picks out of it, a nice young point guard and two guys that they're gonna flip.
2: And, and, um, yeah, they're gonna flip and they'll flip Chris Paul either during the offseason or even maybe mid season. I mean, you know, if you can you can probably have if he stays healthy, you can have him play half the year into the trade deadline and then flip him for draft picks. The so th- the Thunder are in the Thunder are They're rebuilding, but I like where they're headed. I like where they're doing.
1: So here, here we go with this. So Russell Westbrook, he's gonna go to Houston. Uh, Um, okay, cool. Daryl Morey, who the GM of the Houston Rockets, is a very smart guy. I will say that. Like analytically, he is very smart. He's very advanced. And I appreciate what the Houston Rockets do with their personnel. Moving pieces. Okay, we're not going to be complacent, right? Last year, whatever we had didn't work. We're going to keep moving on. We're going to keep moving pieces. We're going to keep doing this. Blah, 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 blah. Right? James Harden's our only staple. Everybody else can move. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I get it. Okay? It's great. I love player movement. I absolutely love when GMs are active about this stuff. I love it. But let's be real. Wasn't getting Russell Westbrook a little bit of a panic move? Like, let me ask you this Does anybody actually think that this is going to work? Does anybody actually think that this is going to work? And I'm going to, you know, turn to my inner basketball analyst, right? Everybody turn their shades on. My inner basketball analyst is coming out bright and shining. So, Russell Westbrook a guy that shoots 29% from three point range is now going to go to a team that let's say specializes in isolation and takes more three pointers than any other team in the league by eight shots guys think of like excuse me seven shots 44 and a half three point attempts per game was Houston last year the second most in the NBA was 38.2 from Milwaukee. Nobody's even close. They shoot more threes than any team in the NBA, and it is not close. Okay, Russell Westbrook, I like him as a player. Okay, he's a stat stuffer. Some say a stat patter. I go into that boat a little bit. Not my point. But Russell Westbrook, aggressive, I like it. He wants to win, I like it. He's a bit of a locker room problem. I don't like that. He's a little bit fresh with the media. I don't like that. But put all of that aside. On the court, Russell Westbrook, a guy that needs the ball in his hands. James Harden, a guy that a guy that needs the ball in his hands. This is not going to work. This is not going to work. Look, if you are going to go to a team that specializes in three point shooting, guys, Russ is not the answer.
2: I think the what the hope you have is, and West and the reason why Westbrook wanted to go to OKC, I mean, want to go to Houston, was the fact that James Harden was there. He wanted to have a reunion with James Harden, and I think that's, I think that's the hope you have if you're a Rockets fan. You know that these two are together, and that Westbrook wanted to be in Houston to to be with James Harden again. Well, look, so, I, I think it's I think it's one is of that these. An,
3: is that enough though?
2: Probably I would say enough to win a
3: championship. Yeah, but would would Mike just said? I mean, Daryl Morey is a smart guy. Would he unload all of these all of these valuable assets and Chris Paul? just for some well, nostalgia. Well, Houston isn't... For, for Russell, to satisfy Russell Westbrook's, I don't know, nostalgia? No, no, but what, so. But here's my thing. And I like, believe it's part of the reason. Like, it might be part of the reason. It is part of the reason. Well, like, look.
1: Russell, like, uh, Daryl Morey is not going to sacrifice assets to make Russell Westbrook feel good. That's not part of this. Okay? Daryl Morey makes moves because he wants to win championships. He's got James Harden, who averages 35 points a game. He's the best scorer in the NBA, and he wants to win a championship with that guy.
2: I mean, it's pretty. The, see, that's the thing about the Rockets. That really amazes me because they end the season, they feel like okay, we we still have a shot, and then all of a sudden, Daryl More is like, all right, everyone's tradable except James Harden. We don't know about Mike D'Antoni. We want to. We, we might resign him. We're thinking about he's now he's going to this year as a Lane duck coach. With a team that now all of a sudden the Rockets change their minds again and it's like well no we can feel we feel like we can win again because you're getting Russell Westbrook like you guys are saying we're getting Westbrook to think we can win so the Rockets and Maury are kind of flip flopping they I don't really know if they I don't really know if they're sure what direction they want to go with are they because they went from we're gonna trade everyone except James Harden to now nah, we're gonna get Russell Westbrook we're gonna compete again but D'Antoni is still sitting there without a contract extension, and he's kind of going to this year with no no future at all as of now with the Rockets.
1: Well, going forward, okay, let me break down what you have here in Houston. Let me break down what you have. You have James Harden, needs the ball in his hands, right? 35% three-point shooter. He's relative, uh, to be honest with you, I think he's a poor man's Kobe. He's kind of, he's inefficient with the ball. He isn't really great at, uh, you know, not turning the ball over He's Waste possessions More than anybody else In the league Let's look at what Russell Westbrook Same sort of deal He'll get you more rebounds He'll get you more assists They're both Look they're both good Not They're both good passers I'm not worried about that But They both want the ball In their hands At the end of the play Right Russell Westbrook's One of the most Inefficient players In the league He'll shoot 40 shots a game I mean 29% from three point sh- uh, from three point la- uh th- if I can speak three point land last year. I mean guys, uh, look, I don't care that Russ and Harden have played together before. I don't care. Okay, Harden was a different player back then. He came off the bench, he knew his role. Harden wasn't a star at that point. Russell Westbrook was second fiddle to Kevin Durant. It's different. The dynamic is different. That's what happens. Think about it like this. Okay? We saw this early on. Okay? Chris Paul and James Harden when when they went to when Chris Paul went to Houston, nobody bought into it, right? Who's going to play point guard? Who's going to get the ball in their hands? And then the cylinders start firing, right? Everything goes right for them. They start winning. They start... They're one of the most efficient teams in the league. They are so high-powered offensively. Nobody can stop them except for the Warriors. They were averaging
3: like 118, 19 a game.
1: They were insanely good. Right? But then... Something changed. Something changed. Chris Paul and James Harden constantly. Over the past couple of years when they were together. They've been together for two seasons. Just... Button heads a little bit, right? the the their dynamic for success kept changing, right? They were better when Chris Paul didn't play. Then when Chris Paul didn't play, that's the reason they lost to the Warriors. Then when Chris Paul did play, they didn't. They weren't really that good. Then when Chris Paul didn't play, uh, okay, James Harden's averaging forty a game. He's better without Chris Paul. it got too crazy. It got too crazy. You couldn't come. Like, why do you think Mike D'Antoni's on the hot seat? Because the dynamic just keeps changing when you have two ball-dominant guards. When you have two ball-dominant guards that don't understand their role... Look, Chris Paul is one of the most easy-to-deal-with guys in the league. It's been known that's his entire NBA career. Okay, He's a good teammate. He isn't really hard to deal with. He passes. He knows his role. He gets it. right. He's a professional point guard. James Harden, I haven't really heard much of a problem from from him either. But James Harden's a guy that... Needs the ball at the end of the play, okay? James Harden's not going to be happy if he averages twenty-two a game. James Harden's going to want to average over thirty. You think Russell Westbrook's going to be easier to deal with? <laughs> good luck, so guys. What? This is bad for Houston. This is not a trade that they want. And I like Daryl Morey. I do. I think he's a good. I think he's a good GM that makes a lot of good decisions. Right? Tillman Fertitta's is a good owner. But this is a really ill advised decision. Look, and like I said, I think it's a panic move. They saw an opportunity. Oh, we can get Russell Westbrook? <laughs> okay. It,
2: this is a. Uh, they
1: should have said it's attractive, but no thank you. And again, if this was a trade for a point guard that might be lesser than Russell Westbrook, but fits into your system, I'm all for trading Chris Paul. Russell Westbrook's the raw, plus on top of that, you're paying now you're gonna have to pay Russell Westbrook the remainder of his. Russell Westbrook makes $47 million a year, and he shoots 29% from three. And look, does he deserve 40 plus million dollars a year? Absolutely, he does. He's worth it. He averaged a triple double three straight years in a row. I get it. But for a guy that will not fit into what you're trying to do, unless they're... If, look, I will bite my tongue and I will eat my shoe if they plan on doing something completely different. But I can't see that to be in the case. Russell Westbrook is not going to emerge suddenly and shoot 38% from three. He's
2: going to shoot 30. This is from a uh, Mike D'Antoni's offense. This is from Sam Amick and Brett Doss of The Athletic. Uh, Sources tell them that Westbrook is intrigued by the possibilities in in Mike D'Antoni's offense. By the way, Houston spreads the floor and often plays without a center clogging the paint. Westbrook's expectations is that he'll have more open driving lanes and that he'll be surrounded by more shooting than he has been in Oklahoma City. He's excited by the challenges he and Horton can create together for for a defense. I mean that
3: that is interesting that they play without a center clogging like clogging down low because I mean, I really don't when,
1: think that that's but, the case though they do
3: but when you get but when you get Russell Westbrook even like not even on a fast break but if you get him like from the top of the key and he breaks out he's one of them he's like tenacious when he drives not only when he dunks but like he's he's tenacious down low so he like he's one of the most ferocious dunkers we have in the game right now so well sure if look. we can cre- if they can create more opportunities for him like that. And yeah, we can we can possibly He's crazy see fast. Work.
1: He's crazy athletic, and he's, he's explo- crazy aggressive. He's I get it. He's explosive,
3: exactly. So if we could see more opportunities like that, I think it can maybe work better than we think. But here's I my thing:
1: is like I, uh, that statement to me is false. Sam Amick is off the is off the mark because that's what they do. Houston does like Houston sets their offense with four perimeter players and a setter that mans the paint. Right? Clint Capella cannot shoot. Clint Capella does not step outside ten feet from the basket. He just doesn't. Well, he's not supposed to,
3: really. I, but, uh,
1: right, but that's my point. Is they're saying they don't clog they don't clog the middle with a center when they do. They have they have guys down on the block.
3: Capella's one of those like one of like the last remaining centers that haven't really adapted to the game of like okay, we're seeing more centers like shoot the three. We're seeing more centers distribute and pass more. Like Clint Capella's is still kind of in like like DeAndre Jordan. Category Go, well, where he's like, he's like, in the Go
1: Bears, yeah, he's like, in the DeAndre stay, Jordans, stay, he's low, in, yeah.
3: stay low, protect the paint, and get rebounds. Like, that's who Clint Capella is, and right? I, I and like, catch lobs, and exa- that's what he does exactly. And, I like that, I like that too. I, I believe that centers sometimes should just be centers. Obviously, with certain teams, it works, like with Jokic and Denver, sometimes it works, but I mean, sometimes centers should just be centers because they play a pivotal role in an offense, especially when you have a ball-dominant guard like Harden, and now when you have two ball-dominant guards like Westbrook and Harden, you're going to need somebody that's going to grab all of those misses from, from three-point. Right. So you're well, going to have to have someone down, though, like that.
1: Right. Look, guys, I, I just... I, I, I don't buy this. I really don't. I, I This is not a move that I think was put into serious thought. I just don't. And look, I, I like... I really do like Daryl Morey, and I think for the most part he makes a lot of good decisions. Went to MIT. Yeah. this is a smart guy. He really is. And this is just not going to work. I mentioned before. Not going to work. I would guarantee you that 30 games, 40 games into the season, we're going to be about halfway through the NBA year. And Russell Westbrook and James Harden are just going to be sick and tired of each other. I, I guarantee you. I
2: mentioned before how the Rockets seemed like they were yeah. after they lost to the Golden State. They were, they looked like they were going to rebuild. Do they make this move? Do they make this move for Westbrook? You mentioned this as a panic move. Did they make this? Do they make this move for Westbrook if the Warriors were healthy? Kept Clay was healthy, could play this season, or maybe even they kept Durant. You know, one of those two. Do they, do they yeah, make this move? Yeah, I think they one, do. Even if one, one even if one of those two would happen, whether they brought in Durant or well, Clay was healthy to start the season, yeah, do they I, make this move?
1: Well, I think they do for two reasons. One, I think Daryl Morey is just, that's his nature. He always wants to move pieces. He never wants to, like he even said at the beginning of the year, I don't want to, uh, at the beginning of the offseason, excuse me, he said, I don't want to go into next season with the same roster. And they're not. The, the, Russell Westbrook definitely shakes things up. But... The second reason would be Chris Paul and James Harden really butted heads quite a bit in the past two years. They did, and oh, especially okay. now. This was you know they were doing State Farm commercials and everything like that together. I get it, but guys, it look, Chris Paul and James Harden could be best friends. Guys, it's just not working. It's just not. Right? Like I need the ball more. Chris Paul is you know, he's a guy that needs to be a little bit more ball dominant than he is. I i mean, and look, it, the dynamic worked sometimes because they're both really dynamic guards, right? They're both really, really good. But, look, you can love somebody and just not want to work with them. And look, Russ and James Harden, yeah, they've got a good friendship. They used to play together in Oklahoma City, and that's all fine and good just wait and see it they're going to get real tired of each other
2: on the rift real tired on the on the rift between Paul and Harden Tim McMahon uh, ESPN's Tim McMahon reported last night that a source disclosed to him that the rift between Harden and Paul was considered manageable, and they didn't fact and they didn't factor into the decision to make the trade for Westbrook. So that was not so to them. That was this was not in the decision to make the trade. That was not part of it. Yeah, I don't
1: so, buy. I don't buy that for a second. I I I, I think it like think you it can't. Had, talk if it that, had nothing to do with it. Yeah, you can't sure tell me that that part. didn't cross Daryl Morey's mind even a little bit. I'm sure. It did. Like I'm sure that that did. All right. So
3: what? So what happened? I'm sorry, Mike. One more thing. So like, so what happens? when Houston has like yet another like first or second round exit of the playoffs where do they go moving forward like i i, I don't know look they they don't have what? any more assets they're exa- all gone exactly what like, happens now so they're, they're this just-
1: is their chip right here like if they do not do it all right now i am not sure what other chips they have left i'm really not uh, because look it, and if you're listen if you're a betting man <laughs> don't touch the rockets do not touch the rockets oh my goodness look i'm just going to say this okay their scoring numbers are going to be a little bit subpar from what they were in years previous because I think this Westbrook Harden dynamic is going to work a little bit worse. Right, Westbrook might score more. I think Harden's going to score less. There's going to be a lot of point stealing here in this backcourt. I don't touch the Rockets. I'm not into it. I, I really am not. They are. Think about it. Like I had Houston as my number ten team in the NBA. When I did my power rankings the other day, are up I'm really not sure if that changes at all. I really I'm like. The, I mean, if anything, look. they are the same team that they were. If anything, and I think they could possibly be worse. I really do. Yeah. I, I think this is not a good move.
2: I mean, you have them at t- you have them at ten. They're, I think they that could bounce. I think this trade bounced them up a little bit. I, but the expectation is they're trying to do this to win a championship, which is what they couldn't do with Paul. So now they're trying know. to do it now. I don't look I don't at them as any better than
1: like the fifth best team in the West at best. I really don't. Like, but I think both Los Angeles teams are better than them. I think I agree. that I think that the Utah Jazz are better than them, and I think Golden State is still better than them. I just I I don't I don't buy Houston. I just right now I do not buy Houston. I don't. And, accor-
2: it, and according to Brian Windhorst... And Denver. They, sorry, Denver, Denver too. And according to Brian Windhorst, Harden and Westbrook began trying to orchestrate this trade once Paul George was dealt to the Clippers.
3: I, I mean, wow. I, I just... So they, uh, start, they started talking about it like a week ago and it happened? Yeah, well, everything
1: happens before anybody knows I it. Mean, Kawhi, so. I
2: mean, Kawhi Leonard literally came up to Paul George and said, hey man, come over to come over to OKC. And within a matter of a couple of days, it was... He went to the Clippers. Yeah, but we, right. that, came, we that came out of nowhere from. We don't. Know, we don't
3: know when that started though. They could have talked. They could have talked about this like three long, years yeah, ago. Yeah, longer than we than yep. we thought. All right, but Russ to Houston. I
1: don't buy it. Neither should you. All right, coming up next, Melvin Gordon says to the Chargers, "Pay me or trade me." The Chargers, in response, should say, "Find out next." Hey, Stack worldwide Sports Radio Network.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Haystack
1: Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike, Evan, Matt, good to have you in. You know, the NFL was going to get their time eventually, and so it will. I mean... The NFL, uh, Melvin Gordon would have been the lead story today if it weren't for Adrian Wojnarowski and Russell Westbrook. Um, Or I got to give some love to Shams, too. Shams is in there as well. Um, But okay. So Melvin Gordon came out yesterday and basically said, "Uh, I'm not playing this year or you can trade me Because I want some dough. I want some money. Pay me, please. Actually, not please. It was more like now. Um, So here's my thing. I get that NFL players that perform should be paid. But when are running backs going to get it? When are they going to get it? Okay, look, uh, Le'Veon Bell proved a bunch of different things, okay? He essentially proved that a running back can take a year off and still get paid, right? Yeah, Uh, less than what they wanted and by a different team. So I have no doubt in my mind that Melvin Gordon is going to get paid. But Melvin Gordon is going to get paid, if not by the Chargers, by somebody else, and for less money, if he sits. Now, if you play Melvin Gordon, then you'll get paid whatever you want. You will become the highest paid running back in the league. You will become the highest paid running back in the league. They can franchise me and franchise me and franchise me. I get it. Don't sign it. You don't have to sign the franchise tag. Say, hey, guys, you can waste the franchise tag on me, but I'm not signing it if you guys don't pay me. That's respectable. That's respectable. I get it. You want to get paid. But you're under contract, Melvin. You're under contract. Look, I... I feel like we can learn from this, right? I feel like NFL running backs can learn by what Le'Veon Bell did. Le'Veon Bell is the second highest paid running back in the league. It sounds great. Except Le'Veon Bell was after $20 million. And get this. Melvin Gordon, you're not Le'Veon Bell. He's very good, though.
2: Melvin Gordon's production. Well, I I, got, I found a clip which is pretty interesting. But Melvin Gordon, uh, his production since 2016, which is uh, that was his work. Uh, I think it was rookie. That is rookie year. Uh, 28 rushing touchdowns, tied second most in the NFL. 10 receiving touchdowns, tied fourth most among running backs. 38 touchdowns from scrimmage. This is all from Field Yates. uh Field Yates' Twitter account. 38 touchdowns from scrimmage, second most in the NFL. A versatile workhorse back. Um, this is actually a clip that I found from Sports Illustrated. Uh, this is Melvin Gordon uh, on the Le'Veon Bell situation from last year.
0: Bill ain't coming back, huh? Who? No. Bill. No. You gonna stick on uh, in you? Yes, sir. I would too. Um, come back and get hurt? Why? Gave y'all everything he had for about five, six years. Y'all can't pay the man.
2: So that was Melvin Gordon just this past year with his father. Talk to discuss in the Le'Veon Bell situation, and you know I they all I, I agree I actually I understand that and I I I understood that with the Le'Veon situation I understood with Melvin Gordon I understand with all of them you're you, you're and again we learned it with Earl Thomas this past year Earl Thomas was holding out for a contract he got hurt in around week two week three the players don't want to risk injury and I think that's that's I think that's pretty much you're the whole right but Earl, like Earl Thomas injury. still got paid. Like not the, as much not as, uh, not as much as uh, the Ravens paid him, but I think the Ravens paid him at the market that he was at because of his injury. The Ravens yeah. do that. But how they much? How much is Earl
1: Thomas here? worth? Well, like, he what paid. was Earl Thomas's contract?
2: Certainly wasn't as high as before, as he was probably going to get in the open market. Earl Thomas also
3: up. like broke his fibula too, so that's like not it's not a small injury. I mean, that no, was he, not it was in like week two or three, and he ended this he it ended his season.
1: Right, but look, Melvin Gordon's a first round draft pick. His rookie contract is five years. He's got a fifth year option, right? He's not, it, look, it, he is not a guy that's been franchised twice. He's been franchised three times. They refuse to pay him. They do all this stuff. And, and to be honest with you, even towards the latter part of the Le'Veon Bell thing, I understood where Le'Veon Bell came from. I just thought he should have played anyway. Because it's a bad look for you Because it makes you look like a bad teammate And I figured Well other teams are going to see that And you're not going to get as much as you want And guess what I was right But look If Melvin Gordon wants to be the highest paid Running back in the NFL if if Look I will say this If Melvin Gordon is okay With making 11-12 million dollars a year By some different team By all means sit out don't pick him in fantasy. Don't do it. Right? If you're okay with that, Melvin, all power to you. Sit out. Do whatever you want.
2: Earl Thomas won, Earl Thomas got a four-year $55 million deal from the Ravens, but the problem was he wanted to be the highest-paid safety. That went to Landon Collins right before him. Collins became the highest-paid safety, and Thomas can I, wasn't, let me wasn't just, able to get that.
1: Let me say this, too, though. Earl Thomas is also 30. Like... Earl Th- I, I have a feeling that Earl Thomas was going to get about 55 million dollars anyway. Like, you couldn't convince me that Earl Thomas was going to make 65, 70 million dollars as a safety in the NFL at 30 years old nobody was going to do that. Nobody. Nobody would pay him that. Look, Melvin Gordon's young, but right? You Melvin Gordon's going into his age 26 season. If you give him a four-year contract, you get him till he's 30, he'll be worth it the whole time. But please, whatever you do, Melvin Gordon, don't look like that. Look, the Chargers, and even if you do do that, don't be public. Be very quiet about it. Be very – the negotiations are ongoing. We're we're, we're trying to work things out. And, again, you don't need to use the media as leverage. And, look, in all fairness, I'll be fair, okay? I will be fair about this in the NFL. The NFL has a system in place to where the owners and the teams have an out to save money, right? Franchise tags – I think, are very iffy and a little bit manipulative, right? Like, they, you can place a franchise tag on a player, so he has no choice of becoming a free agent, but he's pretty much locked into a contract until basically midway through the season. So I get it. Franchise tags are not great. But in this particular situation, if we're talking about Melvin Gordon, who despite the fact that he is a super, super good running back, right? Top five, top seven, whatever running back in the NFL.
2: Definitely top five.
1: The L.A. Chargers were 18th in the league last year in rushing.
3: Gordon it, was also hurt a lot of games.
2: Echler. I think that also more do with the offensive line, too. That line down the stretch <clears throat> of the season was did struggle a lot.
3: Sure. Eckler got hurt towards the end of the season, too. No,
1: look, I, I get it. These are just the numbers. If Melvin Gordon was smart, he would take what he learned from Le'Veon Bell and do differently. You want to be the highest paid running back in football. And even if that is the case, you will not be for much longer because Zeke is coming and taking that paycheck away from you. But in Melvin Gordon's case, they haven't franchise tagged you once. You know why? Why? Because you're still under contract. You're still under contract. Uh, I, I, look, I think we can all agree that running back is the most expendable position in football. Okay? A third round pick can do a sufficeable job at holding down a running game and clock management, right? You do not need an elite running back to succeed. Right. There are a number of them, and having them helps, absolutely. Right? You think the Giants aren't thrilled they have Saquon Barkley? You think the Cowboys aren't thrilled they got Zeke? Zeke's their offense. But how much winning have the Cowboys done?
2: Well, two out of three playoff appearances is pretty good.
1: Sure, but they get, good. they get and they get knocked got, out of the first round of the playoffs every year. Well, Ram- well,
2: they won last year. They beat the Seahawks last year in the playoff game. And, I mean, the, the Cowboys have a – Zeke Elliott is a part of that building block piece that the Cowboys have, and he's going to be that when the Cowboys – for for the Cowboys hope is to make a run of the Super Bowl. Last year with the now it's the Patriots and we will all say Brady and Belichick who was the main who was the big focal point in their run of the Super Bowl? Sony Michelle, first round draft pick, Sony Michel who they traded up to the th- No, no, I'm sorry, they didn't trade up but they were they, no, they, they were, their,
3: their first round draft pick Isaiah Wynn got hurt uh that lineman But was Sony Michelle was also one of the other one. Michel was also one of them but the like other
2: he, one. and he was a huge factor in them yeah, winning the Super Bowl. You're he right. Picked. He was great. You're right, pick. but
1: who are, who are we to say Nick Chubb that Sony too. Michelle's backup couldn't do the same thing or close to it, and my b- perfect example was Pittsburgh last year. James Conner was one of the leaders in rushing last year. When Le'Veon Bell sat out, Le'Veon Bell flat out lost his job. James Conner took his job in Pittsburgh, took it. Once Pittsburgh said, "Listen, Le'Veon, we're we're really we don't feel comfortable paying you this amount of money." And James Conner came in? (laughs) What do you think went through Pittsburgh's mind? You think if James Conner failed as a running back? If James Conner failed as a running back, Le'Veon, here's $17 million. It's 45 of it guaranteed over five years. Like, 100% Pittsburgh would have brought him back. But they didn't because we've got this James Conner kid on the cheap that can do your job. And Le'Veon Bell still got
2: paid. He's still gonna pay thirteen million dollars by the Jets. Well, he got more guaranteed money from the Jets than he ever was from 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 what Pittsburgh was offering. Him. Oh, was, sure. That's what he wanted, it, it was never really about the amount of most money. It was mostly about just the guarantees. And Pittsburgh, it's just how the way they way operate it their contract. It was just how they operate con- is how they operate their contracts. They try not to. They try not to give a player the most guaranteed money they can. They try to like kind of get that the Steelers have a weird way of giving out contracts so that was the thing with Le'Veon that's why he did really that's one of the reasons he did he held out
1: if you play for an organization that doesn't necessarily you know pay their players it's just kind of the luck of the draw right well why shouldn't you play like if like the Chargers are a team that usually do not bust big on massive amounts of money for big players I mean like yeah they'll pay Philip Rivers but everybody else, build through the draft. will bring back some guys. Like
2: Antonio well, th- Gates has been there forever.
1: Right, right. They they have their core guys, and then they'll sprinkle out some talent over there. I bet they love Melvin Gordon. The Chargers do. Uh, are you worth seventeen mil? Are you worth eighteen million? I'm not sure. The running there's a running back that is. Look, Gurley's getting paid fifteen million dollars. He's the highest paid running back in the league. Uh, understood.
2: But yeah, I would bring up Tomlinson, but it's hard to say Tomlinson. I mean, Tomlinson's a Hall of Famer. I mean, you keep a guy like that as a Hall of Famer. Right. You know? Melvin Gordon. Right. I'm Ladanian Go-
1: Tomlinson is one of the top 10 running backs of all time. Like, it, it's maybe yeah. even more than that. Like, Ladanian Tomlinson was incredibly good, but
3: it's my first football jersey. Oh, was he? Mm-hmm. His powder, powder blue, number twenty-one. Mm.
1: Those, uh, yeah, but yeah, when we were Gorgeous. kids, Ladainian Tomlinson jerseys and uh, Ladainian Tomlinson and Chad Johnson jerseys. Chad Johnson at the time, now Ocho Cinco, were the jerseys to have mm. as a kid. But I had a
3: stray hand too. All I'm saying is,
1: is the Chargers, I'm sure, are open to negotiating with Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon shouldn't make it hard. And look, I got news for you. If Le'Veon Bell has taught you anything, it's that, yeah, you can sit out and you can still get paid, but it'll be by a different team and it'll be less than what you thought it would be. Don't follow the trend. It's very simple. Le'Veon Bell got $13 million a year, and I get Melvin Gordon's good but he's not Le'Veon Bell.
2: I don't think the Chargers now. I don't at the end of the day, I don't I think the Chargers will pay him. The Chargers I do know too. he's a young well, talent. I, I they, know they know I, he's a young talent. They 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 want. they feel like Rivers especially Rivers now being 37, 38 kind of going towards I mean, he's not playing like it, but kind of towards the end of his career now you want to keep going around uh and I mean if teams watch the Patriots, teams know how good the Patriots are. They saw the Patriots actually like wow. yeah. like oh my gosh, like uh, the running game, the running game is so crucial. It's it's always been crucial, but the running game has over the last several years for many people have taken a step back, but the Patriots showed last year, oh uh, no, it still exists. Yeah. So Melvin Gordon is so big yeah. for the Chargers running with Super Bowls. A team that can make a run at the Super Bowl. That they can. They just need to prove it.
1: Yeah. So I,
2: but with Melvin Gordon, I so I think the Chargers will, will will pay him. I'm thinking of teams if the team if a team does want the trade for him, Kansas City would look I mean Kansas City. Maybe can't say, I mean, but Kansas City, of course, would never would never call the Chargers. They'll never trade him to the to the Chiefs. Maybe the Packers. Maybe they, I yeah, the Packers they would never trade stuff? him in division. No, of course I mean, not. I would say
1: they would probably never want to trade him in conference. conference. They might want to trade him to the NFC.
3: Like, but I got news. I stuff. would it, love to see him go to the Niners. I think the Chargers, San, Fran. San Francisco. I think the
1: Chargers could do a really nice. Like if they look, if by the trend. Right? The Chargers paid him $16, $17 million a year. I wouldn't be bashing him for it. I wouldn't be. What? If he's that important to you and he's that crucial to your offense, he's a nice, young running back and extends your window a little bit, pay him. Cool. I'm cool with it. Okay? I don't like this idea of if you do not pay me, despite the fact that I'm under contract, I won't play. It says a lot of things about you. And I get it. You want your money. Understood. You'll get your money. But welcome to sports. Okay? Minor league baseball, major league baseball players, once they reach the major leagues, have three years of team control and then four years of arbitration. They got seven years before they hit free agency. Some of these kids don't make it to the major leagues until they're 25. They don't get to the big leagues until they're 31 you hear any of them complaining? Quit acting like you have it so hard. It, it drives me crazy. Packers, All
2: right, the Packers really would be a nice spot for him because Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, and Gordon with with Aaron, Rod, Aaron Rodgers can have not just have a running game, but he has two dynamic backs, two good backs for you. The Packers would be. a nice spot. I got spot. news for you. The, They'd be a nice spot for the him, Packers
1: about it. if they do. Like the Packers running back, I don't care about. Gets Rodgers some freaking receivers. How about that? You address defense primarily in the draft. Okay, now, you've got an already good defense before the draft and before free agency. Um, so let's get more defense because that's our problem. Well, if- It was never your mm-hmm. problem. Aaron Rodgers has nobody to throw to.
3: Well, uh... Actually, Xavier Rhodes said not too long ago that uh, the three toughest receivers he has to cover are A, B, Julio, and actually Devontae Adams. I look, Devonte Adams, Devonte Adams is good. Adams corner, is good.
1: Who's, corner, your, who's your number two? is Saint Brown? No, but uh, like,
3: corners around corners around the league say that like Devonte Adams is a lot better than we think he is. Like that, that's a lot, fine. Of, I a lot, a lot of them say that he's like a, he's very good. He's like he should be in that class with like the Odells and the Julios. And I,
1: I I know that that's that's all fine and good. Yeah. One receiver does not make up for a core. Ah,
3: uh, dude, you're forgetting about G- Geronimo Allison and Jimmy Graham, who are elite. Got him. Just kidding. They're not. No, they're
1: not. Jimmy actually. Graham. Was, Jimmy Graham. Jimmy was Graham, at one point. Jimmy, Gra- Jimmy Graham was elite with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And Geronimo Allison is. Th- I'm Geronimo, uh, Geronimo Allison. <laughs> but
3: Jimmy Graham, dude. Jimmy Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham has had uh, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and now Aaron Rodgers. There's no reason why he shouldn't be. Like the best tight, the end best tight time. end of all. Yeah, like the best yeah, tight end ever. For real.
1: All right, let's go to the news. Matt Caterizolo, our big J journalist. What do you got? bud?
3: so going. Let's go back to the to Russell Westbrook. So, uh, yeah. So he goes to OKC. He goes to Houston. Uh, Chris Paul comes to OKC, and you know, OKC gets gets uh, a boatload of draft picks. They get Chris Paul, Gallinari. Gilgis Alexander. But I mean, I kind of asked you this before, but I kind of want to talk about it a little bit a little bit more in depth. I like what So, after after Chris Paul got hurt in that Game 5 series against Golden State, when essentially their their playoff hopes were shattered after that. What like what What do we see now from this Houston team? What do we want? What do we expect? Are we going to take like a realistic approach to say like, listen, they can't play together, or are we going to kind of take like a more optimistic outlook where they're going to be like, listen, like it is Russell Westbrook, it is James Harden, like they're two elite players, maybe they can make this work. Well, I think you have to be
1: realistic. Like, uh, break it down. I was saying this before. Break it down to the simplistics of life, right? You've got two ego guys. One of them bigger than the other. Russ has a much bigger ego than Harden does. Mm-hmm. But you've got two guys that absolutely need the basketball to be successful. Okay, James Harden doesn't play defense. He doesn't really rebound. Uh, James Harden isn't really much of anything other than a scorer, and so, and he's a pretty decent passer when he passes. Right. Russell Westbrook can do basically everything except for shoot. But Russell Westbrook is a—Russ might be the most ball-dominant guy in the league. He needs the ball. Okay, these are two of the guys with the highest usage rates in the league, right? How does that mesh? I just don't see it. Like, think about, like, uh, other dynamic duos in the NBA, right? Paul George and Kawhi— can do multiple things. They don't need the ball in their hands to be successful. That can actually work. And they're not two big egos, right? LeBron and Anthony Davis feed right into each other. LeBron's the facilitator. Anthony Davis is the guy that finishes the play. They don't really need to have the ball in their hands at all times, right? A lot of these dynamic, Steph and Clay, they work, right? Russell Westbrook and James Harden, they are as dynamic of skill sets as you are gonna see in the NBA. But they both need the ball. If basketball was played with two balls, they'd be the best team in the league by far. (laughs) Okay, But they play with one, and they both need it. It's going to be a lot of gimme-gimme. I I don't see it. I I really don't. The Rockets, again, fifth, sixth best team in the West at best. I really don't see it. And And to be honest with you, this year... Russell Westbrook and James Harden, I think, are going to see a first-round exit. I
3: just don't
1: see them having a lot of success. I don't.
3: We talked about duos the other day. Where do you put Harden and Westbrook on your list of NBA du- of duos coming into the season? Now? You'll see that later. Oh, You'll see that okay. Later. All right. But so now, now that Westbrook's in a, in Houston, who do you think at like? So look at, look at the 2019 free agency class overall. You know that includes. You know uh, that includes Kawhi, Anthony Davis, uh, KD, KD, Kyrie, uh, like all these guys. Who do you think, out of all of them individually—not teams, but individual players—out of all those, out of all of those players that have moved locations, who do you think has the highest expectations? Not just—not just like from their team, not just from the NBA, but from us, like from a fan standpoint. Like, who do you think people are going to be looking at the most to have them to ball out? Of the free agents. Of the free agents. So the, the not not Paul George who was traded, not Westbrook who was traded. AD, not, AD. not not Anthony Davis. Not, not Anthony Davis. So like, right. strictly just Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant,
2: you know, Kyrie. I, the guess, big, the big I guess Durant, Kyrie, Durant and Kyrie. Really, as, a, as I think, as a duo, as a tandem. Those I two mean,
1: are. I think. I mean, it's probably Kawhi. Just be, I think KD is getting a little bit of a break from the media. Uh, It's the injury. He might not come back the same. They're kind of a little soft on KD right now. Kawhi Leonard is... uh, Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers are the finals favorites right now, right? They, They are the team that most people are picking to win the finals. And it's a decent bet. I like it. But those are high expectations for a band of brothers that are just getting together. You know what I mean? Like... Kawhi Paul George never played together before. Kawhi just spent one year in a city. Now he's back in Los Angeles. I mean, it's a lot of expectations. But like, let's be fair with some of these NBA guys, right? Like LeBron, Anthony Davis, Paul George, Kawhi, KD, whatever. They all go to these different teams, and if they don't win a title, it help. It's get help. Uh, it get help. It gets held against them. I, I don't know why I can't speak. I'm a little under the weather. Bear with me. But I feel like in the NBA's dynamic now, like you're looking at, all right, so we've got Paul George Ka- uh, Kawhi, Kevin Durant Kyrie, LeBron Anthony Davis, Stephen Clay, Judge Porzingis. We've got Damian Lillard McCollum. Westbrook and Harden. Westbrook and Harden. You've got all these different duos now. Doesn't it just kind of seem like... Alright, everybody's kind of got a little bit of a fair shot here. Like, some players are better than others, without a doubt. But it's not like anybody's reaching for something or somebody's so overloaded with talent that if they don't win, it's really disappointing. Like, if if Kawhi and Paul George don't win the title this year, it's not going to be a knock against them. They just get outplayed, and that's fine. The NBA's really separated right now. I, like... If the war like it's like if the Warriors, right? If KD, like if they were all healthy, if KD, Clay, Steph, and Draymond Green didn't win the title, altogether all healthy, that's a knock against them. They're so loaded, there's no excuse, right? There isn't a team this year in the NBA that's so overly loaded that it is title or bust. There are 10, 12 different teams that can win a title. And if
3: if eleven of those twelve lose, it isn't a knock on those eleven teams. I have two. I have two free agents that I have really, really big expectations for. One of them is Kyrie Irving, and yeah. I feel like I feel like Kyrie has a lot has high expectations, especially this season alone, because we're going to see him without Durant. So Kyrie's got a Kyrie probably has
1: to be in the top. Like the top half of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Absolutely, like he has to be at least a four seed in order for it to be a success. It's
3: like, listen, you left. That, you let Kyrie pass the first round. I would say. It's like you listen. You left Cleveland to be the man in Boston. You couldn't do that. So now you're in Brooklyn now. And it was an ugly. It was an ugly ending. It in was. Boston. An, it was an ugly ending in Boston. It was an ugly exit. And now Kyrie is in Brooklyn. And without without his superstar that he came there with, yeah. especially it, like you know. Be, it, be all that he went there for one season. That he's not going to be there for one season. Can I guess who your second one is? Yeah. Is it Kemba Walker? It is Kemba Walker. Because now we're seeing, because think about all the noise we've heard about Boston. Oh my god. Amazing, amazing, uh, intelligent, uh, you know, heir to Popovich head coach Brad Stevens. This great young core of talent. You know, it's the Celtics. You know, it's a, it's a celebrated franchise. You're the point guard of the Boston Celtics. We've heard about Kemba, we, we, we've seen Kemba Walker in Charlotte. We're like, oh yeah. man, you know, he's He's, he's in such a bad situation over there. So he gets out, and he comes to Boston. Yeah, now he, can he actually win? Right. Now they lose Horford. Yeah. But it's like, okay, we had... Listen, the, the Celtics with Kyrie was the Eastern Conference favorites, and then, you know, it all kind of imploded. Now we see them with Kemba, a stable, kind of less personal trouble... Version of Kyrie But with all the talent Maybe not to uh, Like the highest caliber Of Kyrie But definitely all He has the same thing In his bag of tricks So I have pretty high Expectations for Kemba Walker Is Like at least yeah. This season going forward Yeah I mean like I would ease off On Kemba a little bit Just
1: because A brand new system It's You know Cause I feel like If Kemba Wins It's a plus for Kemba I feel like if Kemba Walker Loses in Boston Like they'll, the 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 Celtics will still be good. Like they're not gonna like not make the playoffs, but like barring any injuries, Boston's gonna be a top three or two team in the in the Eastern Conference. If Kemba wins, it's a plus for him. If Kemba loses, it might be a knock on Brad Stevens instead of Kemba. That's where, do, you th- do you think like, that's I your thing? I have Stevens? a feeling that it would, that not for me, just because I I think Brad Stevens is brilliant as an NBA head coach. But the consensus, I guess. I think the consensus would be maybe things in Boston aren't as tight-knit as we thought. Like That's what I think the first thing. I like okay. your point, and I think it could go that way. The way that I'd see it, though, I, I, this isn't how I think. This is how I think it would be portrayed. If Kemba wins, it'll be a huge plus for Kemba. If Kemba loses in Boston, it'll be kind of a knock on the Celtics organization. That's what I think would work. I, no,
3: regardless, this is going to be an extremely important season for the Celtics. Yeah. I've no, heard... they've got to rebound. They have yeah, to. Yeah, I feel like they're they're feeling literally I, and figuratively. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they're uh, they're feeling kind of a sense of urgency. It's like, yeah. all right, listen, like we've we've had this, we've had these expectations for like, three years now, so we need to, like, produce. We need to make it to at least... I, I say they need to at least make it to the ECF, or else, like... I don't know. We're gonna have to start looking at them differently. Yeah,
2: I agree with you right. Kyrie, Matt. I do. I think Kyrie is definitely with, all, especially with all your points. I still would say Durant because Durant was in Golden State. He was now looked at as the guy. He was looked at as someone who just went over there just to get a championship. Kyrie and yeah, you know, and yet to, to, to
3: be fair, Kyrie did have big expectations in Boston too. So it's not yeah. like this is something new in him. If we're talking about like,
1: if we're talking about expectations, I feel like the expectations for KD. Are gonna be down. I think the we'd be we would be criticizing Kevin Durant for a different reason. Like it isn't because he's got the him and the Nets have expectations for a title. It's why would he leave the Golden State Warriors if he doesn't win? That's I don't. he has to win.
3: That's what I feel about Kawhi Leonard. Like I, I don't think he has any like high expectations at all. It's like listen, like he he went to Toronto. He, he went to Toronto and did the impossible. I agree with you. Quite figured. It, quite like. Quite right. frankly, if he goes anywhere and they don't even make the playoffs, I'm not gonna. It's not gonna change my outlook on Kawhi yep. because I know that like. Because no, I don't think anyone's gonna say like, after this season's like, oh well, you know, he only did it once. Like, come on, yeah, Nick, right. that, that's all he needs to do. Th- oh, so you're gonna you're gonna knock him because he's not making it to the finals with three different teams? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't feel any sort of. Pressure needs to be put on Kawhi, especially yeah. after what we just saw him do. Yeah. I think, I, I think I'm just saying
1: that because I think he's got the most expectations out of anybody. Right? Like Kawhi Leonard is expected to go to the finals, but like I said, if he doesn't go to the finals, I don't think it's a knock on Kawhi. I think it's a it's it's like a it like it just shows you how good
2: the NBA got, right? Right. But all right. If we're including all the free everyone free agents trade, I would actually say the one would be one would be Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis might be the one under the most pressure because now he's with the Lakers. Now he's well, in the yeah, probably. He's playing with LeBron James. And yes, I agree with that. Or Kevin Durant. Westbrook.
1: Truthfully, or Westbrook.
2: Westbrook sure. I, I maybe Westbrook in number two, but for me, number one is Anthony Davis because he's now in LA, he's now with LeBron. And Kevin Durant I think is right when he says that. If I go, if you're playing with LeBron, if you lose, it's on you. If you win, it's on it's with LeBron. Right. If it if the Lakers are having a disappointing campaign, or they start off slow, a lot of a lot of the finger will be pointed at Anthony Davis. He's now officially getting the spotlight. He he was kind of not saying an afterthought, but you know, with the Pelicans, diff, big difference of course between the Pelicans and the Lakers. Right. So now he's at the he's with the Lakers. We a lot a lot of us, including you, might think that. He's going to be the new guy in LA when LeBron does uh, when LeBron does retire, and he does, you know, uh, retire. Yeah. Anthony Davis is still looking for an extension, so he'll go back.
1: We'll I, see. I, we'll see. Yeah, we'll he, Things, Things change.
2: Things so, change. Goes to the Clippers.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, exactly. Never
2: know. But yeah, it goes to the Knicks. But Anthony Davis, I, I would overall, I think, if we're including free agents and trade players traded, I think he would be number one, especially going into next season. Right. I agree.
3: All right, that's the news.
1: Big J journalist Matt Cattarazzolo. Good stuff. All right, um, so this came from Woj today.
2: Another Woj bomb?
1: Um, or, nothing really different. Okay. But uh, apparently this is according to Woj, the Oklahoma City Thunder are like really trying to move Chris Paul quickly. Their right intention is to, quote, uh, for Chris Paul, he doesn't play a single game in a Thunder uniform. Wow. They do not want him in Oklahoma City. They want to dump him somewhere else. They're
3: giving him that, real, uh, that Carmelo Anthony in a Hawks uniform treatment. Well, look, it,
1: I, it makes sense. I mean, what is Oklahoma City trying to do? So – uh I don't know. It is interesting. I was surprised that Chris Paul was involved in that trade. I really did. I really yeah, was. And I, I
2: didn't expect his name to be on that deal. I,
1: I really didn't expect I it either. So, where
2: does he go? All right, at
1: 1230, and this is where I was coming up with this, by the way, when you asked me that question, uh, we always talk about dynamic duos in the NBA, right, especially now with all these – Moves in free agency: Kawhi, Paul, George, Anthony Davis, LeBron, Steph, and Clay, CJ, and Dame. Right with now Russ and and Harden. We all we're talking about dynamic duos. There are five in the NBA right now, at, and this is coming at twelve thirty. These are the NBA's most destructive duos, and there are five of them coming at twelve thirty. All right. Coming up next, the Thunder have cleaned house. Paul George and Westbrook are gone. What are they supposed to do now and why the NBA should just let it happen? That's coming up next. Hour two. Hey, Stack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
0: You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents, The the, the Haystack Haystack Show, with Mike Mike Guido.
1: And it's hour number two here on the Haystack of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I heart tune in, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Mike, Evan, Matt, good to have you in. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Let me just say this. I, I, I say it all the time because I'm excited for the NBA next year. I think there are a lot of duos that are going to be exciting to watch, and then there are going to be some that are just going to be painful. I, I, I really do. Like Harden and Westbrook, I, 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 that's going to be painful. It really is. I It is going to be awkward it's gonna be like there are gonna be nights where Russ and Harden look incredibly good. I, I I really do. There are gonna be nights where they look incredibly good, but for the majority of the I'd say like seventy five percent of the season, they are gonna be no. I want the ball. No, I want the ball. It's very awkward. It really is. It's kind of like getting back to your back together with your ex if you're convinced that you guys love each other, and then you guys are just having the same fights that you used to like it's going to be like that. It's just going to be awkward. It's going to be like why did we do this? It, that's what Houston's going to be next year. All right. Um so let's look at this from the other side. So Oklahoma City, Matt, what can you tell me again what Oklahoma City got back in all of the trades? So like they got So
3: for Paul George and Westbrook, they got and Jeremy uh, Grant. And Jeremy Grant, right? They got Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and in total, 11 draft picks. All right, so 11 draft picks. 11 draft picks from 2021 to 2026. Eight first-rounders. Eight of them. So
1: 11 draft picks, a nice young point guard in Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, who can still play, and then Chris Paul. So you've basically got two players that you're probably going to flip again, a nice young point guard, And then a bunch of assets. That's great. Okay. So, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, came out and said, you know, it's really disheartening for players to demand trades while they're under contract. And he was referencing Paul George. Right? Paul George demanding a trade from the Oklahoma City Thunder after being recruited by Kawhi to the Clippers. Paul George has three years left on his deal. He only served one year of his contract in Oklahoma City. So, he's like, look, players got to live up to their contracts. They got to honor them. There's no way that we can have players just demand trades whenever they want. They just can't do that. Right? It 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 sacrifices the integrity of the league. Because if I have rules that I can't enforce, it sacrifices the integrity of the league. I get it. And, and I understand that 100%. But I think it's kind of counterintuitive. I, I really, I think it's very contradicting the way that well, we don't want players to not uh, we don't want players to get traded uh, or I'm sorry we don't want players to dishonor their contracts. We want them to at least respect their contracts, not demand trades. But you also have a problem with tanking. Am I wrong? I mean, so if a player...
2: Well, your problem with tanking is... Your problem with tanking is teams that are tanking are not getting a number one pick, number two pick. number They're getting four Knicks. The Knicks were... They're the getting five. Backup, they're getting five, six. six. Like, the Knicks, now the Knicks were number three, but... You, you know, are not getting that star player Phoenix that, ha- seven, that could potentially eight. leave you. It's Phoenix was seven or eight. Chicago was around seven, eight, nine.
1: Phoenix you know? was six. Cleveland six, was five, five, and the Knicks were three. So it's... And then Phoenix traded back to 11 with Minnesota and, you know, whatever happened on draft night, right? Jarrett Culver going to the T-Wolves and, you know, yeah. But that's really the story. My question really would be, Oklahoma City cleaned house, right? No more Westbrook, no more Paul George. Think, Think about this. So now the Oklahoma City Thunder are out Kevin Durant, they're out James Harden. They're out Paul George, out Russell Westbrook, out Sergi Baca. What What do we expect from them? What are they supposed to do? So Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari and Shea Gilgis-Alexander and 11 draft picks and Terrence Ferguson and Steven Adams, Yeah, we're just going to stand pat. Guys, Oklahoma City, what's the best move for the Thunder right now? The best move would be to trade Chris Paul. The best move would be to trade Danilo Gallinari. The best move would be to look at trades for Steven Adams. Clean house. Get it done. Be done with it. Move on acquire assets, save some money. It's very easy. Rebuilding is a thing in this league, and it's a serious thing for small market teams. Oklahoma City is not a big market.
2: Here's interesting, here's something that's interesting that not this is more off this is more about their ownership and their stake. Uh 22%. This is from the Insider NBA pass of the uh The 22% stake in the Oklahoma City Thunder, previously owned by Aubrey McClendon, is actually now currently available for sale. According to a Bloomberg report from Scott, uh, Scott Schnook, the sale will be run by the boutique investment bank, Inner Circle Sports. The Thunder are worth about $1.5 billion, according to Forbes. Oklahoma City has sold out 355 consecutive home games and posted an average local TV rating of 6.69, which ranks second in they the do, NBA. So they do well. 22 per, so 22% of the team is now on sale. They, for sale.
1: they do well for their location, right? They, they do well for Oklahoma City, and they do well as far as television and and stuff, but the Thunder have been very entertaining, right? Durant, Paul George, Westbrook, Harden, that Carmelo Anthony, even when he was there, right? Ibaka, Adams, uh, right? Like you've got a lot of guys over there that are entertaining to watch. Victor Oladipo, like players that have come and gone with Oklahoma City, have kept the Thunder entertaining. But nobody chooses to go to OKC. How do you expect OKC to get better? It's not like, all right, here's what we do. You have to stay competitive. Oklahoma City, you have to spend a max contract. Um, Yeah, who are we going to give that to? Nobody wants to come here. It's Oklahoma City. Right? We gotta compete with Los Angeles. We gotta compete with New York, right? Los Angeles with their beautiful beaches, beautiful weather, and great historical franchises every year. The New York Knicks, same same deal, right? Oh, it's the city that never sleeps, Madison Square Garden, Brooklyn, whatever. The biggest market in the world. It's we gotta compete with that. Oklahoma City's in the middle of nowhere. It's a flyover state.
2: I will say though earlier. Remember, I remember earlier this week we talked about it's not about the teams anymore. It's more about it's more about the brands. It's more. About, I mean, not about it's not about the brands anymore. It's just about the roster and what the team has now. It's not about the guard anymore. Well, it's not right. about LA it's, anymore. If OKC could build a roster and build a team, then you know it's going to take a while. But how but do
1: they do that? That's my point. They got to do it. The, how do they do that? If they aren't given the opportunity to, right? They can build a they've got 11 draft picks now they've got 11 draft picks through trades they've got 15 draft picks in the next what seven drafts or something like that eight first round seven
3: seven yeah through seven drafts till 2026
1: 15 draft picks in seven drafts <laughs> it's a lot of draft picks it is a lot of draft picks a lot of draft capital they've already got a lot of young players. Look, rebuilding processes do not need to take very long. Philadelphia's rebuilding process took what? Four years? And now they're competitive. Oklahoma City, it's the same deal. What are you doing? What are you doing if you are taking away their assets? You're extending that period. You're extending that period. Don't expect the Thunder to be good anytime soon. Because if the NBA is going to say, well, tanking's a problem. Not enough teams are trying to compete. Well, what are you. Su- if you're Oklahoma City, what are you supposed to do? If you're Oklahoma City, are you supposed to. All right, I know we just traded Russell Westbrook, and I know we just traded Paul George. They both wanted out of Oklahoma City. Um, so we'll just. Here we go. We'll trade them, and then we'll. Give $20 million to Tim Hardaway Jr. Like, what? What? No, you're putting yourself in a hole. Then you're really not going to succeed in the future. Compete. Why do we have to go? We're going to be the 13th, 12th best team in the Western Conference. Why would we try to compete? Let's get some assets. Let's get some good players. Let's start over. That's what I would do. Hey, I agree with you, 100%. Don't even try. Don't even try. Especially now, like, the NBA is going to see now in this state of the league, they are going to see how much better the league is without a super team. Right? When you've got the Clippers and the Lakers and the Celtics and the Warriors and the Blazers and the Nuggets and the Jazz and the Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets and Philadelphia and, like, You've got so many of these different teams that are going to be so good and fun to watch, right? I, you're gonna uh, the parity in the league is is crazy. You'll see that the NBA's ratings will skyrocket. There's urgency to watch the games now. Moving pieces, players are in different spots, right? How many Kawhi Leonard Clipper jerseys do you think are going to sell? A million? How many Anthony Davis Laker jerseys are going to sell? I don't know, a million.
3: I still think the LeBron number six jersey is going to be the highest. That's going to be a s- probably will right. Also, LeBron
1: number six jerseys are going to be selling off the roof. Kemba Walker jerseys are going to be selling off the roof. Kevin uh, Kevin Durant's not going to play next year, and Kevin Durant next Nets jerseys are going to be flying off the shelves if they aren't already. Guys, Julius Randle jerseys. RJ Barrett jerseys, RJ Barrett, Zion a- jerseys, guys.
2: Well, Z- Z- Zion, I can make a case. My not, well, Zion's after LeBron, gonna have a top he
1: He'll be like number two, maybe. Zion's gonna have a top five NBA selling jersey.
2: Might be number two. Like, there's gonna
1: be the NBA is in such a good spot right now. There's no super teams. There's no super teams. It wasn't because of not. It's not because. There were too many teams at the bottom. There weren't enough teams at the top. That's the issue with the NBA. And now it doesn't exist. Now you've got 10, 12 teams up top. You've got about 10 more teams down in the middle, right? And then you've got about 7, 8 teams that just suck, right? That are just selling everything. Cleveland, Memphis, Phoenix, Oklahoma City, uh, the Knicks. Charlotte, like, Washington. Like, some teams are just terrible, but they're not your issue. In fact, I think they're, those teams in the next two or three years are going to be the most exciting teams in the NBA if you let them be. I think it's a very simple issue. All right, coming up next, I told you it's 1230, so we're going to go to break. Coming up next. The NBA has a ton of dynamic duos, right? That's going to be the story of the NBA season next year. There are five destructive duos that I think are going to be worth watching as well. And it might be a little awkward. That's coming up next on the Haystack and the World Wide Sports Radio Network.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to The Haystack Show oh, on the great. Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
1: <laughs> Welcome back. Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike, Evan, Matt. Uh, a little distracted, I think, but I think we're – are we dialed in? We're good?
3: I'm back. I'm fine. All I'm, right. I'm excited. You're fine? I'm, I'm good. All right. I'm, I'm, fine. I'm, cool. I'm, I'm okay. fine. I'm cool. I <laughs> said I'm, <asking>. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm cool, Stop asking. I'm fine. get on with the show. No, <laughs> <laughs> really. I'm totally okay. No, dude, really. I'm fine.
1: All right. So, uh, just like how we were right there, I think there's going to be a couple of destructive duos in the NBA, Uh. Uh, and I have a feeling that Matt's going to appreciate this.
2: Um, See, I thought you when you mentioned the duos, I thought we were going to do like top five dynamic duos of like of all time in sports. And then you said dynamic in the NBA. Oh, that's a swerve.
1: Destructive Whoop. duos in the. This is not NBA history. This is currently, currently in yeah, the league currently. right now. There are Whoop. five duos in the NBA that I think are going to be really, really destructive. Here we go. All right, number one's easy: Harden and Westbrook. I, I, I just, I don't think it's going to work. That's the whole reason why I came up with this whole thing. Is I, I just, I don't buy it. I, I think that they both need the ball in their hands. They're two ball dominant guards that need the ball. Russell Westbrook can't shoot in a system that shoots more threes than any team in the NBA. They shoot 45 threes as a team per game. It's so far and above much more it's so much more than anybody else. It just doesn't make any sense. I get it. Okay? Like floor spacing, okay. Shooting? No. They do a lot more shooting than floor spacing. I'll tell you that. A lot of iso ball. I that isn't Westbrook's forte. It's just not, okay? Being able to work into a system, Westbrook needs to be the system, and that's tough to deal with, right? A little fresh with the media. I don't think Houston needs any more attention. Westbrook and Harden, right now, that's a destructive duo for me. Uh, number two is Durant and Kyrie. Now, I don't think that... Like I said, you're not going to see it this year, but I think that... Um, when they do come together, these are two guys that aren't necessarily sure of themselves. They don't really know what they want. They're two massively talented scorers. Who's going to give and who isn't? They're not really great passers. Neither one of them are. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Again, you're going to have to wait another year to see this. And look, I'm not even going to say it. I have more faith in Durant and Kyrie than I do in Russell and uh, in Westbrook and Harden. But... I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, uh, Kyrie, Durant, they are very... They have a lot of potential. They're like a top draft pick. They have a lot of potential, but they've also got such a big possibility to just bust. So Durant, Kyrie, that's one that I think could end up being destructive as well. All right. Here we go. Number three for me is Jimmy Butler and... uh, well, Jimmy Butler. that That's really where I'm going with this. I i don't really know what to expect from Miami this year. I really don't. But I think that... Ooh,
2: wouldn't it be Butler and Chris Paul if that deal is made?
1: No. No. No, just Jimmy Butler. Because, look, Jimmy Butler also, he just seems to get in his own way a lot. Right? He's a personality that isn't necessarily loud, but he's kind of annoying. Right? He's, he's kind of hard to track. There's no way that you could possibly see what he's doing. So... Jimmy Butler, he's going to be by himself in Miami. He's going to be the sole responsibility of his, on if they make the playoffs or not. I I don't know. Jimmy is very uh, hard to read. He's very hard to read. So, I think he can get himself in his own way. Again, the Heat are a young roster. Bam, Justice Winslow, you know, Tyler Hero. They, they've they got a lot of... Casey Okpala. Like They've got a lot of guys that may or may not just be a good fit, or not even just be a good fit, but may not get along with Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler doesn't like young guys. So Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler, I think that's a pretty destructive duo right there too. All right, number four, uh, this one's kind of a knock. Uh, I'm going to go with James Dolan and the entire Knicks community. Uh, it's just, I think uh. it's, I feel like I'd appreciate that, Matt, but,
3: it's a given, I mean, it's not really...
1: A it's right and
2: James Dolan and the entire Knicks... Community. community. So the front office,
3: or...? No. H- how about James Dolan hey, and Planet Earth? How about, like, how about James <laughs> Dolan and the entire I human race? I mean, how race? about James Dolan and James Dolan and James Dolan? James Dolan and the entire human race. Well, look,
1: Jimmy Dolan, as long as he's under center, I have no idea how he's gonna be able to succeed under this franchise. I just don't... I, I, he doesn't have success in his DNA... Hey, we were going to get KD, Kyrie, and Zion, and you end up with Julius Randle, Wayne Ellington, and Bobby Portis. Congratulations. Uh, You know, come claim your prize, which is mediocrity. Um, Your winner. So Jimmy Dolan and the Knicks. Pretty (laughs) self-explanatory. All right, number five is, and this one is a little bit more serious than Jimmy Dolan and the Knicks, uh, but number five for me right now is Draymond Green and the Warriors. It's just... Draymond Green to me, yeah, he's the heart and soul of the Warriors. Toughness and perseverance and uh, what? Now, I would buy it if the Warriors were all about technicals, cursing out teammates, and and 7-7-7. He's the best single-digit stat player I've ever seen in my life. I seriously he's so good defensively you're right he's he's great defensively reliability on offense oh but he passes so good he misses open layups like I'm just I'm just saying this okay Draymond Green's a good athlete but he's kind of sporadic you know you ever you ever go to school with that kid right and you guys could probably both relate to this right you went to uh comswag you yep. went uh, Matt you went to connect quad I think I did go to connect Quad's Kinect. Kinect. a pretty big school me and Vinny both went to connect yeah so like think about this for a second you know like you you've had that kid in high school that was like supremely athletic supremely athletic but kind of sucked at everything oh you hated those kids you I know what like there was always a kid like oh if, if right. he just got some good coaching he'd be all right but then he got coached and he's just he's still kind of sporadic like you ever go to school with that baseball player that throws like 90 miles an hour but wherever he throws it it's like anywhere but your glove. Like, he throws it literally all over the gym or all over the field and... Nowhere near your glove. Same thing with a basketball player. He can jump like crazy, but... Whenever he shoots the ball, he hits the side of the backboard. Like, same sort of thing. Football. He's super fast, but... The guy only knows one direction. Straight. Like, it's just... Draymond Green is that guy. And... Not only is he that, but he's that guy, and... He's a pain in the ass. And without KD, and without all this stuff from the Warriors, without Clay for half the year, more than half the year, Draymond's going to hold a lot of responsibility. I expect some run-ins with Steve Kerr. I expect some run-ins with the coaching staff. I expect some run-ins with Steph. I expect some run-ins with Bob Myers. It's just...
2: I don't think this is going to work out well. They just keep winning, though. That's the thing, though, with Draymond and the Warriors. They they, they out, of, out of the five, obviously Kyrie Durant, we haven't seen it now. Russell Hard, they have won together. Uh, Butler, obviously, Jamie Butler and James Dolan. But out of out of the five, we have seen Draymond and the Warriors for years now win. I think that's kind of the big difference. So they we'll have won. We'll they see. Have one.
1: We'll see if it's different this time around. Those are the five most destructive duos in the NBA.
3: I wasn't, gonna, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna I, guess. That. I wasn't gonna guess. Yeah, at Katie and Kyrie, actually, I I I should have guessed. That was, that was bad on my part, but. I knew they were gonna you you say you weren't going to get Jimmy Butler and I knew, Jimmy Butler? I knew I knew, and they, and were gonna, I knew they were going to be like cheeky ones. Yeah. Like I I I said to you before the I said to you on the break. I was like it's was it gonna be like Russell Westbrook yeah, It's going <laughs> to be like somebody and like in emotion or somebody with like their feelings like
1: KD and social
3: media. Yeah, exactly. like, <laughs> James Dolan and the Knicks. That that's that is the ultimate James Dolan Did and everybody. <laughs> James Dolan and everyone. That's right. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Time for the news. Matt Catarazola, our Big J journalist Alright, so We talked about power rankings before And it doesn't move You said that the Westbrook trade doesn't affect Houston at number 10 No, I don't Okay. If I th- anything, it drops them out. Like, I, th- I don't think it moves them up at all. I what really do you don't. Th- What do you think, Evan? The Rock Wait, the Rockets at ten. The Rockets. Like,
2: what What does the Westbrook trade do to? I-, I think the power rankings. I think they. I think they move up a bit. I think they should move up at least a couple of spots. Now, I think I. They should move up a couple of spots. I think. You oh, said fourth. Fun- move up a couple of spots. I mean, Russell Westbrook and James Harden is a di- is a re- on the court I understand I, I totally get where Guido is coming from where because hey my brother my brother actually would agree with you that he does not think they're gonna fit well together. But as talents, I mean that's two of the best players in the league. Right overall. So I think that moves them out of a couple spots. Now I will say like four or five seed might be where they are. That could be where they are in the Western Conference. Maybe a three? But I, I think in at least a couple of spots up in the power because like, At least that—that's just me personally. Because again, with those two players, and I do like the fact D'Antoni is a D'Antoni Pretty much is the Andy Reid of right. football of, co- of the NBA coach staff, where he's so good in the regular season, mm-hmm. so such a great coach, just can never get it done in the postseason. Right. So, yeah, but what did Dan, but D'Antoni like Andy Reid is a phenomenal head coach. He can especially on offense. I like. I think. I think. I. These two could be great within that system With coaching with D'Antoni So I I would move up a couple I do too I think think we're going to be surprised
3: I think we're going to be surprised At how Good that they can play Together I guess we we just got to wait and see So this comes out This comes out again So the Thunder came out and said That they're looking to move Chris Paul quickly And the plan is for him not To play a single game in a Thunder uniform Where do you think Is an ideal location for Chris Paul and what do you think a trade for him would look like? A trade Um, that would benefit both teams. So, okay.
1: Um, And we just heard this not too long ago, and I actually like it a little bit. Philadelphia is interesting just because, but I also think that Philadelphia could get more than just Chris Paul. Right. Right? So, like, if... If Oklahoma City and Philadelphia wanted to make a trade, right? So let's say this. So if Philadelphia says, All right, you can have Ben Simmons, but I'm going to give you, uh, but I want Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and one of your first round draft picks, who says no? For Ben Simmons? Yeah.
3: I think it's a good trade for both sides. And again... I, I mean, don't... if OKC is look is rebuilding, I think Ben Simmons is a pretty good piece to build your franchise around. I mean, right. Philadelphia tried to do it, and they can't. If you're
1: trading for him, you're basically trading for him and then re-signing him. Right. I think he's open to re-signing anywhere. But, like, you'd be getting a 37% three-point shooter in Chris Paul... An eighteen and a half point per game guy, a guy who averages nine assists on his career. A you're vet- not losing a veteran, much.
3: experience point guard, right?
1: A more offensively talented Ben Simmons, except Ben Simmons is six nine and Chris Paul is six foot, right? So, but I, doesn't that fit better? I mean, I feel like there is such a thing as maybe a little bit too much size if your players aren't dynamic enough, because then mm-hmm. you just get stuffy and not you're a little slow, right? Ben Simmons is not overly quick. He's just a great passer, but he can't shoot. Chris Paul, Embiid, Horford, Tobias. Uh, it's a good team. Really that's good team. something. And again, like... Ray Anzela is going to call up and be like, hey, see, this team can make a
2: run of the finals. Right? No, look, I,
1: I agree with him 100%, but like if you're Philadelphia, like if I'll say this, if it is Chris Paul for Ben Simmons straight up, no, it's not equal. Okay, Ben Simmons has more value than Chris Paul because Ben Simmons is younger. But if it was like I said before, Ben Simmons for Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and uh, like one, fir- of the, one of the one, first round one of, of those first-round draft picks. I mean, think about this. You're telling me that's definitely a great trade for Philadelphia because you're getting Chris Paul a good young point guard in a draft pick and Oklahoma City would be getting one of the best young ball distributors in the game. I mean, who's 6'10". I mean, like, who loses
3: on that trade? I don't know if anybody does. I think it's probably the most equal
1: trade right? destination
3: I, for the two of them. Right? but uh, Again, though, uh, like Chris
1: Paul it could fit in in a bunch of places. I, and, I think al- it, and also, he's like, very easy. Like, uh, they don't have the assets to do it, but the Lakers would love Chris Paul. Oh, absolutely. Would love Chris Paul. But, I, I don't know. I I, I think that, I, I don't know. CP3 to Philly, I think, makes a lot of sense. I, here's the thing, though. It's probably going to be Miami. It is probably going to be Miami. It'll be Chris Paul and Jimmy Butler. I don't think that's impossible. And they'll be the sixth Miami, or seventh
3: best team in the East. Miami doesn't need... To give up a lot of assets for Chris Paul because I feel like yeah, Chris, Paul, Chris no. Paul doesn't garner a lot of assets. I feel like you can get him for like, you know, uh, a draft pick. Yeah, and like, a, young like guy. a draft pick and, and, and a young player. So I mean, it's no, it's not too much to give up. And I feel like Chris Paul is a pretty good piece to add on to. Oh, yeah. to Miami. To kind of, I feel like to, he'll kind of. I don't know. Do you think he'll like stabilize Jimmy Butler, or do you think it'll just it'll be another situation? I like I think in he could. Yeah, because I think Chris Paul is that kind of player. Right. I think he's easy to deal with. I think he's a solid leader. Then why didn't him and Harden get along? Do you think he's do you think him and, do you think it's Jimmy Butler's too... easier to get along with than Harden? No, I, don't. No, I don't
1: no 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 no. No, but I, I that's not the same scenario. I think Chris Paul and James Harden butted heads because of what was happening on the floor. I think it was more of like I need the ball more. I need the ball more. I'm better without you. I'm not better without you. The dynamic kept changing. It it was too hard to keep up with. Right. Right? I think the dynamic was just too rough there. Jimmy Butler, it's hard to get along with Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler doesn't like young guys. Mm -hmm. Right? Jimmy Butler always kind of gets in his own way. I have a little bit more faith in that relationship because Chris Ball's been around the league for freaking 13 years. Right. Like, He's a veteran. Jimmy Butler, I think, would respect Chris Paul. And I think Chris Paul, at this point in his career, might defer a little bit to Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I think it would be something along those lines. I think I have more faith in that relationship,
3: even though Jimmy Butler, I think, is the more combustible personality than James Harden. It's it's funny you bring up the Lakers, because that, t- that ties into my next thing. So, uh... You know, the report came out that LeBron will be will be starting a point guard for the Lakers. Frank Vogel actually just came out and refuted that and said that he'll be spending the majority of the time with the ball in his hands because he's their best player. But uh, their final roster has not been set yet. Like, nothing is definite. So, yeah. I mean, I, th- I feel like that would definitely be the best move for the Lakers, Would probably just to start LeBron at point. But, I mean, do you think that they could eventually trade for, uh, like, a Chris Paul? Well, no, I don't think they could trade for it Because all of their assets went into getting Anthony
1: Davis So I don't don't think they're going to trade For anybody Mm -hmm. And if if they're going to trade for anybody It's going to be a really minuscule role player piece Mm -hmm. But I think that Frank Vogel Is smart And I think he's smart because He's not giving anything away Right? So like You do want your team to have a little bit of security In what you're doing So like if If teams know already, all right, they're gonna start LeBron at point, we're gonna get an idea of what their lineup is gonna look like, here's how we'll defend it, and we'll do this. Frank Vogel is saying, hey, 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 nothing is set in stone yet. It's not impossible, but nothing is set in stone yet. We're playing with a bunch of different ideas. I think Frank Vogel damn sure knows that LeBron James is probably gonna start at point guard, but. I don't think he wants to be like, "Yeah, LeBron's going to be our point guard this year." All right. Start studying other teams. Right. Like it's just I think it makes a lot of sense for Frank Vogel to kind of put it under wraps a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think it's smart. Look, but truthfully, he knows damn well that LeBron James is going to be running point in Los Angeles. He will be.
3: Yeah, I mean,
1: unless he plans on wanting to start Rondo again, like you know, what I, I I just it's. I think it's LeBron's point guard job mm-hmm. to lose. All right, that's the news with Big J journalist Matt Catarazzolo. You okay over there, man? You're a little quiet. You're not as like. You're quiet. Well, all right, we're gonna go there. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, hour three coming up next. Westbrook goes to Houston. What is Daryl Morey thinking? That's coming up next. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, Worldwide Sports Radio presents The, the, the Haystack, Haystack Show with Mike Guido. Mike Guido.
1: Our number three here on the Haystack of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, Matt Catarazzolo, our big J journalist. So I was thinking about this, and you know, obviously the big story today is Westbrook and Harden. So, um, and we spent a good amount of time on it, and we're going to talk about it in a minute. But I want to, I want to say this too. So I like, I broke this down. So like, I, I broke it down to five aspects, right? So. As far as like dynamic duos go, right? Easy to play with, shooting, ball movement, isolation, and how they deal with the media. Those I think are the five important parts to what a dynamic would have to look like in Houston, right? You got to be able to shoot, got to be able to move the ball, you've got to be able to play well in isolation. You've got to be easy to play with and you don't need any more noise in your locker room, so you got to be easy with the media. Um, so I broke it down on which one between Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, which one of these guys is better at those particular things. So easy to play with. I'd give it to Chris Paul, right? I think that he's a better leader. He's never really had too many run-ins with the media. I, to me, he's an easier guy to play with. I think he's a better passer. It's just Chris Paul, I think is a more natural point guard. I think he's easier to play with. Um, shooting, I'd also give that to Chris Paul. Chris Paul shoots 36% from three. West, Westbrook shoots 29. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Chris Paul's the better shooter. Um, ball movement, again, I'd probably give it to Chris Paul. I get that the assist numbers go in favor of Russell Westbrook, but I think that's due to a high usage rate. Chris Paul is a more natural point guard. I think he's a better pure passer. I think he has a better eye for passes before they happen. So, Chris Paul, I think is better with ball movement. Now, the better isolation player, that is something that I would give to Russell Westbrook. I think one on one, Russell Westbrook I think is clearly the better player. Clearly. So, think about this. So, so far we are four spots into this into this checklist we've got Chris Paul three Russell Westbrook one right Russell Westbrook being great in isolation is really the only thing that you know is is putting him on the board and then number five is how you deal with the media and like I said Chris Paul I think is easier with the media there's no next question. Next question with Chris Paul. Has he gotten snappy at times? Absolutely. But he's not a run-on joke on sports talk shows. So, I think if you just break it down like that, and I think it's pretty simple. You break it down like that, and Chris Paul is looking at a 4-1 to one victory over Russell Westbrook as far as a qualifier for a dynamic duo to work with Harden in Houston. Now, again, this is not the criteria for every team, but I think for this team, that's what it's looking like, right? So, easy to play with, Chris Paul. Shooting, Chris Paul. Ball movement, again, Chris Paul. Uh, Easier to deal with, uh, with the media, that's Chris Paul. Isolation, I'll give that to Russell Westbrook. Bigger, faster, stronger. And he's more aggressive, and he's better at finishing at the rim. Not a better shooter... But definitely a better isolation player one-on-one. Uh, all right, but we get into the Westbrook-to-Houston thing. So, Russell Westbrook goes to Houston. Oklahoma City in return gets Chris Paul and, oh, what does it really matter? A bunch of draft picks. Right. We'll find out in 2024 if they're worth it. So, the big story Is Westbrook to Houston. And he's a good player. He's a great player. Averaged a triple double three straight years. Guys, this isn't going to work. The Houston Rockets shoot 45 threes a game. They shoot more threes than any other team in the NBA, any more, any other team in NBA history. And they just traded a bunch of draft picks in Chris Paul to get a guy who. Shoots 29% from three. Not only that, but he shoots 29% from three. Oh, and he also shoots 29% from three. Am I burying that home too much? You know, for a team that really does shoot 45 threes a game, having a guy that shoots 29% from three... You can see how that doesn't really work. Now, in fairness, I'll say this. I think Russell Westbrook, as a pure player, I think he's a better pure player than Chris Paul. And, you know, like I said, Westbrook is still going to put up decent numbers. And I get that Westbrook and Harden have played together. Who they were in Oklahoma City is completely different to who they are now. James Harden especially. James Harden in Oklahoma City averaged 12 points per game. 12 off the bench in three years. 10 points a game in his rookie year. 12 points a game in his second year. And his third year in Oklahoma City, he averaged 17. What did he average last year? 36? Double? Triple? In his career in Houston, in seven years, he's averaged 29 points a game. Now, Russ, in those same seasons, 16 points a game, 22 points a game, 23.5 points a game with Oklahoma City. Now he's a triple-double guy. Didn't really grab that many rebounds early in his career. Now he's grabs 10 a game. Now he's one of the leading rebounders in the league. <clears throat> right? Assists. Five and a half, eight, eight Five and a half again Now he's a ten, ten and a half guy They're different players What is the common denominator here With the players that they've become They both need the ball They need the ball One of them is not going to have the ball Most of the time Do you really think that this dynamic is going to work? If you don't believe me, ask Chris Paul. Chris Paul and James Harden butted heads. Those are two guys with not outrageously large personalities. They butted heads. Why? The dynamic was too weird. Chris Paul, who is a pure point guard. Pass first guy. Was deferring too much to James Harden. You think Westbrook's going to be able to do that? Oh my god! No. Guys, Harden and Westbrook are two totally different guys. But at the same time, they're different. They're—I'm sorry—they're the same personalities. Different strengths Weaknesses All relatively the same Like I said I just broke it down for you If you want a dynamic duo In Houston You got to be able to do a few things You got to be able to move the ball Fit into a system right ball movement You've got to be able to shoot Russ is the worst three-point shooter in the league you got to be easy to play with. Those are the three most important things. And Chris Paul is better at all three. Like I said, I think this is a panic move. And Daryl Morey is a very smart guy. Constantly moving. Analytics. All this stuff. I, It's brilliant what he does. It really is. Because he's never complacent. We're gonna move this guy here, so we can bring in these guys. Then we're gonna do we're gonna do this. We got all these moving pieces. We're never complacent. Our roster's gonna be different. It's a different shakeup. Nobody can plan for us. All that stuff. It's great. I love it. This was a panic move. Ooh, is that Russell? Russell Westbrook is available? Ho 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 ho! It wasn't too long ago that he told Colin Cowherd and Rich Eisen. Guys, Chris Paul ain't moving. He's he's staying. Don't you think... and, And this is an interesting thing, too, that I thought of not too long ago. You know, the Rockets are always the team that is constantly changing, right? They're always moving a bunch of pieces, right? They're never complacent. They always move. That's cool. And I think it's ironic how... In a year where the NBA is changing so much, players are moving, Kawhi to the Clippers, Anthony Davis to the Lakers, KD to Brooklyn, Kemba to Boston, all these moving pieces, Paul George to the Clippers, do you think maybe it would have been smarter for Houston to just kind of stay put and let the NBA change around them? Not saying it's the right answer. But I have the right to ask that question. And I think it's fair. Russ and James won't work as much as people want to believe it. They're dynamic, uh, skill set-wise, cool. It's going to be fun. Personality-wise, chemistry, dynamic. Beat your head against the wall awkward. I already said it before. 70-75% into the season, not even. We're going to get like halfway through. Harden and Westbrook will be sick of each other. And I know they've got a good friendship. They played together in Oklahoma City. They're cool, right? They like each other. It's going to be fun. Until about the 25th, 30th game. When James is just like, hey, look, my point-per-game numbers are going down by, like, seven. I don't want to average 28. I want to average 36. And Russ is going to be like, all right, well, look, I'm not giving up my numbers for you. What? What did you, what did you just say to me? Yeah, guys, this dynamic isn't going to work. And if you're a betting man, <laughs> I wouldn't touch the Rockets. Biggest, I wouldn't.
2: The biggest factor in all this will be Mike D'Antoni because <clears throat> he's a like I said before he's a great, really. We all know he's a great offensive mind. Uh, how does he? How does he adjust to Westbrook and Harden? And I think, I, I think he's the biggest factor in all of this. I think he ha- and he is a coach with one year with one year on his deal. If he's able to make this work, which I think he could, because again he's a great offensive coach, and Westbrook and Harden have a chemistry where they've where they've done it before at OKC. Yes, granted Harden was a sixth man, but still. He's to me, D'Antoni is the biggest factor in all this. He's the guy that he's the guy that has to make the engine work, you know. And I think he can.
1: I don't know if he can. Hey, look, D'Antoni, I think is a good coach. I, I really do believe that. It's just, it, this is going to be tough. This is going to be tough. It's got a lot. It's got Mike Tomlin written all over it. We're good coach, uncontrollable. Guys that you just can't get to work together just the right way. The Rockets will still be good. They'll be the sixth or so best team in the West. I know their title favorites jumped up from what was it, what were they ten to one to now seven to one or eight to one. Let me see. They jumped up a little bit. Like I said, don't touch them. I think their title odds went up, so you're making less money on the bet, and
2: They've- I think their
1: chances of winning the finals have actually. If anything, either stagnated or gone down, not gone up.
2: Uh, okay, that's okay. Seized. Okay, the Rockets' odds have gone the other way from ten to one to eight to one, tied with the Sixers for the fourth best odds. I don't buy it. So, Caesar's Palace books as the Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, Rockets. That's your favorites. Take Lakers, the Clippers, Rockets, Bucks, Rockets, and throw them in the trash. Your other, your others are so here, here it is: Lakers one, Clippers two, Bucks three, Rockets four, Sixers five, Warriors. Warriors six, Jazz seven, Celtics eight, Nets nine, Nuggets ten.
1: Yeah, Rockets, Celtics,
2: Celtics Nets, and Nuggets are all the same at plus two thousand.
1: Rockets, don't touch them. Don't touch them. Don't touch them. I don't buy in this I, into this dynamic at all. I really don't.
2: Do you know what Russell Westbrook was before this trade? When, when this trade was made, he was actually about to do a comedy show in Tulsa, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Five minutes, five minutes before the doors opened up for the show, the trade was made. Yeah, wow. that's. I mean, a little, imagine, imagine being an imagine, imagine being a fan going into that show. You're like, you know, thinking, "Hey, we're going to see Russell look, Westbrook. That's awesome." and all of a sudden, you see on Twitter, like, "Oh, he was look, traded." He, here's my thing. imagine going on the stage of your Russ, like, "Oh man, this is going to be the last." He say he actually, yesterday did say his goodbyes. He says appreciation to the fans. But just imagine going on that well, stage hey, of your Russ, like, "Oh my gosh, I, I now have, this is now, I now have to, this might be the last time I get to see all these people here. I have to say my goodbyes. I got to say thank you, you know." Well, like, hey, 11,
1: look, eleven awesome years. I'm gonna say this because I. Full disclosure, I like Russ. I really do. I, I think he's a cool guy. I, I everything that I've heard about him is away from basketball. He is cool guy to hang around with. He's a night. Nice, he's a family guy. I got nothing bad to say about him. On the court, I've heard that he's a little bit of a pain. I've heard he's a little bit hard to deal with. I'm not making it up. I don't buy into this dynamic. I really don't. I think Chris Paul was a better fit. I think the Rockets just hurt themselves. Plus, they got to pay him forty-seven million dollars. <laughs> oh boy! Look, they're they're going for it. I don't buy it. All right. <sighs> this is going to be fun. I, this NBA year is going to be great. I, I really do believe it. And again, like if you're a betting guy, <laughs> you would have been a much happier man in previous years than you will be this year. <laughs> oh boy! Y- yeah, this is going to be tough. This is gonna to be tough. I don't know who's gonna be. I don't know who's gonna be great. I really don't. All right. Coming up next, we'll close it out. I'm gonna give away some Major League Baseball midseason awards, and then we'll head to the news, and then we're gonna leave you, at least until Monday. That's coming up next on the Haystack of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
1: Boy, we've been busy. We have been busy today. Mike, Evan, Matt, good to have you in on the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We have, we really have been. We've been really busy today.
3: So overwhelmed.
1: It, quite, I'll say that. Very, uh, very overwhelmed. A lot of Westbrook. I mean, like, people have to understand like these moves in the NBA uh, we, I guarantee you we are talking about we, we are talking about NBA moves more than we've ever we ever have but that's just cuz there's so many that actually make a difference so rookie of the year for me American League there really isn't anybody that stands out like crazy, but Brandon Lowe, I think, is having a really nice year for Tampa. Um, he might be the first American League player, American League Rookie of the Year, to look like a ten-year-old. This kid, re- <laughs> this kid's—he's fa- got the wide ears, he's got the perky smile, he's got the big eyes. The guy looks like he's just out of elementary school. But he hit 16 home runs and 49 RBIs, so he's pretty good. Um, I I, I feel like Rays second basemen are always destined to be good, right? Joey Wendell last year, Brandon Lowe this year. The Rays just develop talent. They develop talent. That's how they do it. But he's really the only rookie to me that stands out in the American League. 276, uh, you know, 16 homers, 49 RBIs. Uh, He's the favorite right now in the American League. Uh, National League, I actually went back and forth on this a little bit because I wasn't certain about it. I really wasn't because Fernando Tatis Jr. is having a phenomenal year, also. Um, but I, I mean, I, I don't think I cannot give it to Pete Alonso. I, I, the guy's just so damn good. You know, 280, he's got 30 home runs already. Mm hmm. I sixty eight runs batted in. He gets on base a lot. Three seventy two. I mean, Pete Alonso's the real deal. He'll. I think he's going to be a Met for a long time. They're going to extend him, and they're going to extend him quick. Yeah. So I mean, I would,
2: I would, I would do. If you're the Mets, I'd do what the Braves did, what they did with Acuna and Albies. Sign them now, like right after the season's over. Get the deal done now. Yeah. Who's the other one? You had a, who a, was was it Pradick? No, no, it
1: was it was Tatis. Tat- it was but, Tatis. Okay. But I again I. Because Tatis is hitting like 3.30. Tatis was hurt, though, too. Yeah. So I almost gave it to Tatis, but Alonso is just too good and too meaningful. Uh, All right. So Cy Young in the American League. I went. This this was tough because I don't think there's a clear-cut guy. Um, You know, I I was thinking about Charlie Morton. I was thinking about Mike Miner. Verlander. Uh yeah, Verlander's my guy. Uh, Verlander actually, was a guy? Okay. T- yeah, 10 and 4, 2.98 and not, uh, 19 starts. The thing that really does get me though is that he leads the league in strikeouts. He leads the league in home runs, give it up too. But Justin Verlander, I think, is gonna end the year with maybe the most innings pitched out of a pitcher. So I think he's gonna give you a lot of innings and his ERA is gonna stay down. So Justin Verlander's my guy. I think he right now he's the American League side young. Uh, All right, and then in the National League, I can't go against Hyunjin Ryu. You know, like, Max Scherzer's having a phenomenal year, too, just like he always does. But Hyunjin Ryu has been the most unhittable guy in baseball so far. 10-2. and He's got a 1.73 ERA in 17 starts. He's remained healthy. He's got 109 innings under his belt. You know, not a huge strikeout guy. He's only got 99 strikeouts this year, but he's been phenomenal. He's been phenomenal, and I can't go against him. Hyunjin Ryu has been the staple in that Dodgers rotation. So give me Hyunjin Ryu for the National League side, yeah. All right, and then MVP on the American League side. Um, you have no idea how bad I want to say DJ LeMahieu because he's having a, a, oh an amazing having year. 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 But it's Mike Trout, I'm sorry. like <laughs> It's Mike Trout, okay, 301, 28 homers, 67 RBIs. His on-base percentage, is 453 453 his ops is 1098. the guy's gonna break records this year i think he's the best player in baseball by far and i'll be truthful you guys are gonna call me crazy mike trout by the time his career is over will be known as one of the top three or four best baseball players to ever play this game he is incredibly special the guy's in the MVP conversation every single year. Mike Trout right now, I think, is the American League MVP. And then if you're talking about National League, it really is between two guys, right? It's between Bellinger and Yelich. I'm gonna give the slight edge to Cody Bellinger. I think he's done a little bit more of a better job. 30 home runs, 71 RBIs. Uh, he's hitting 336. The guy leads in virtually every category. I He's just incredible. OPS plus, he's got a 191, that leads the league. Leads the league with 220 total bases. I mean, the guy's just, he's insane. Uh, you know what I mean? Making the transition to outfield, he actually doesn't really play first base anymore, but he's a phenomenal defensive outfielder. He's got a 6.6 war, which is off the charts. Cody Bellinger, I think is the guy. And like, here's the thing. Having a 6.6 war for a team that wins a lot of games, <laughs> I, it proves your value That's a, that's incredible So Cody Bellinger is my National League MVP Halfway through So I got Brandon Lowe and Pete Alonzo For Rookie of the Year Cy Young is Verlander and Ryu And then I got Trout and Bellinger For MVP
2: How about Managers of the Year?
1: Manager of the Year American League I would probably say Rocco Baldelli Um, I agree with you there Rocco Baldelli And I know people Are going to hate to say it too But Aaron Boone Has done a really great Mm -hmm. job With the Yankees too
2: He'd be number two for me Uh,
1: But I think Rocco Baldelli What he's done with the Twins Is impressive So he'd be But you know If team playoffs Next year Then I'd be more than happy To give it to Andy Green It's just I feel like if you're going to win manager of the year, your team has to make the playoffs. I like
2: Joe Girardi won manager manager of the year in 2006, and I'm pretty sure the Marlins are wild Let me let me see. Where were the Marlins? In the Marlins 2006? are terrible. Well, 2006. Where were they in 2006? Right, I'm gonna try. I'll try to find. Yeah, the 2006 Florida Marlins. They were fourth place. And they were they were below 500, six, seven six seven games eight games below six seven games below five 500. Right. It's 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 I mean Andy Green right now it's got a 500 ball club and they're competing. We didn't expect the Padres to make the playoffs. We they got Manny Machado. It's like okay yeah they can compete and make some noise, but it's really going to take maybe another year or two for them to really become playoff contenders. Damn. I think where the Padres are, what Andy Green has done, they're on they're on the right track. Where they are it's exactly where they need to be right now. Right. And I think I would say Charlie Morton. I, I agree with you in pretty much every one of them except Charlie and Cy Young. I give it to Charlie Morton because now only is he leading the league in ERA, it's also his importance to the team. Blake Snell is 5-7 with a 4.70 ERA. He's struggling right now off the Cy Young year. And oh, Charlie yeah. Morton, the getting Charlie Morton away from the Astros and what he's been able to do for that pitching staff with Blake Snell kind of struggling, I, I, think, Charlie Morton deserves, I think Charlie Morton should get a lot more recognition for Cy Young because not just for the ERA, but for how important he has been to the Rays with Blake Snell kind of struggling a bit. Yeah. So, all right. What do you oh, think, Matt? Uh, I have every single pick the same
3: as you, Mike, except for uh, I have Scherzer winning the NL Cy Young oh, over, okay. over Ryu. Okay. I just, I mean, I'm you, biased. You, I love
1: Scherzer. You, you can make uh, well. Scherzer, I think, is the best pitcher in baseball. This guys, overall. badass. Just,
3: you can't break your nose and then pitch a uh, out that night with ten stri- with hit, ten strikeouts. The like, black eye that he had covered literally half of his face. God, the
1: the guys, an animal. All right. Midseason awards in Major League Baseball.
2: Most surpri- I'll give. I want to toss two, just two quick ones. Most surprising and most disappointing, because I got three in disappointing. The for Mets, players, the Cardinals. I got three. No, just four for teams. Because for three, I got three of them for disappointing: the Mets, Red Sox, Cardinals, and surprising. To your point about Dave Martinez, the Nationals. They like like you All said. Right, they so turned it around. Disappointing.
1: Really well. I will. Uh, disappointing. I'll agree with you. I think the Red Sox and the Cardinals are the most disappointing. I think the Phillies deserve some uh, some point on that too. Yeah, okay. because the Phillies just. I, I I don't know what their issue is, but they just they've got a ton of talent, but just can't put it all together. And I would say surprising.
2: Nationals are up there for me. Maybe Minnesota, but Minnesota was kind of a team where I thought they could be either really yeah, there good, or really bad. Really but, a but they surprise. Play. the That's White I think. Sox. I think, you could put, I think you could put the White Sox up there because they've played really well this year overall. You know, they're not they're not going to the plus, but they no. they're, they're kind of I, they're five hundred around. They've done well. I, I don't know.
1: I don't know. Surprising? There isn't really a surprise. I don't know. Minnesota, I think, is probably the most surprising, but I think a lot of people said that they had a chance to win the division going into the year, and they're running away with it now. Even though, I I will say, the Indians have closed that gap. They have closed that gap. They've played good baseball before the All-Star break. So maybe if that momentum continues, you know, it is not solely in the Twins' possession yet. All right. Uh, one more news segment. Matt Cattarazzolo, our Big J journalist,
3: with the news. So this just came out today. Uh, Madden 20 has released their fourth and final member of the prestigious 99 overall club. So the four players this year were DeAndre Hopkins, Bobby Wagner, Aaron Donald, and Khalil Mack. So three defensive players, one offensive player. Mike, what do you, do, what do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Mack, Donald, and
1: Hopkins deserve it. Uh, Bobby Wagner, I am a little bit iffy on because I'm not even sure if he's the best middle linebacker in football. Like it, he could be, but it's a maybe. So I I don't know. I think that maybe you could have given a 99 to Patrick Mahomes, but I, I mean, other than that, I, I think we're, we're you're pretty spot on. I think that's a very solid. List now I Madden, really do. Madden
3: Nineteen had seven players that were ninety-nine overall, and it was Antonio Brown, Brady, Antonio Brown, Brady, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald. This is last year. This is Madden Nineteen. So Antonio Brown, Brady, Aaron Donald, Mac. Was it Elliott? Nope. No, not nope. Mac.
2: Todd Gurley. Nope. Hmm. Mac just became a ninety-nine uh, this year. Madden. Hang on.
1: So
3: A B Brady, Donald. There's Back three. There's four more. Beckham, nope. Ro- no. Rogers, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. Uh. J.J. Watt. Nope. Yeah. I'll give you a hint. Two are defense. One is offense. Keekley Keekly is one of them. Okay. So one defense, one, one offense. One, one
2: defense, one offense.
3: Is it like a lineman? Nope. Hop- it's a, well, Hopkins was 9.99 last year. Nope. You're not going to be surprised by either of them, by either one of them. Julio Nope no.
2: Is he an offensive lineman? No Nope I, I just asked that <laughs> Again but Do you nope. listen ever?
3: Again uh, Nope Are you asset Yes I didn't hear that
2: Girly?
1: Nope,
3: nope. I said I say, I girly. See do you listen? Do you listen ever? Do you listen? Never? never We don't listen to each other Alright tell me uh, one of them is Rob Gronkowski. Ah, oh, Gronk! And the other one is Von I Miller. I should have got, gotten those, two. Yeah, I should have gotten those, two. That makes sense. I, uh, said, right. you, I said you weren't going to be surprised. Oh. Yeah. All right. I got you. So, I on that those. list, there was one, two, three, four offensive players and three defensive players. In this one, there's three defensive and only one offensive, and that offensive player wasn't even a 99 overall last season. But... I think Hopkins really blossomed Seeing now that when he has a stable quarterback Especially like He's the best wide receiver in football Listen, despite the fact that They have the most pitiful offensive line in football And Deshaun Watson was the most sacked quarterback In the NFL last year by a wide margin Right I think we've seen what DeAndre Hopkins can finally do With a formidable quarterback Listen, he was elite with You know, Brian Hoyer And Ryan Fitzpatrick And Matt Castle You know, he he made it work with all of those guys So now that he has a, a Upper caliber uh quarterback in Deshaun Watson, I think his 99 overall rating is quite deserving.
1: No, I, I agree. I, I think D Hop's the best receiver in football. And I'll say this. I think partly due to DeAndre Hopkins, I think right going into next NFL year, Deshaun Watson, I think right now is my favorite for MVP. Really? Yeah. I like Watson a lot. I think he could win MVP
3: next year. You know who my... All right. Who's your MVP for the NFL next year, Evan? Your favorite.
1: I know who yours is going to be. No, you don't. Shut I up.
3: Ah. Uh, do mm, Wait, were you going to say Barkley? No. He thinks, <laughs> he, he thinks I'm going to say Barkley. It's not. You know,
2: you know okay. You know, I'll give you it. Baker Mayfield.
3: Oh, my God, Evan. That was literally who I was going to... I hate
2: you. Because, I hate you so much. Well, for Baker, was, Mayfield, for Baker Mayfield, there's no excuse. You've that got Beckham. That, that was you've got my... You've got Najoku. You're going to get Kareem Hunt back in eight games. After eight mm. games. you got Nick Chubb. you got no excuse to not have... To not go out there and line it up. Mm. You suck, Evan. Baker, I was, that's, who I, that's who I was going to say is Baker
1: Mayfield. I don't know. It's maybe. maybe Baker Baker's Mayfield. got a ton of talent around him. and it's Could be Saquon, though. Very well... Saquon? Could, Here's the problem with Saquon. Very well could be Saquon. The problem with Saquon Defenses
2: are going to Stuff the box They're going to say You know what Okay we know Saquon Is the engine Eli's 38 years old He might not have The same fastball yeah, That he yeah, used to Yeah but
3: Saquon Doesn't just go In the body Swing it out And they, 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 they bubble screens yeah. All over the place I, Look
1: if Saquon, Saquon says, has a I great can... year Next year Then I would give him A ton of credit Because he's going to Find out next year As a second year player Without Odell and with an aging Eli Oh, stop that man, this, this, No Odell this a, this NFL, Stop that This NFL stuff's pretty hard
2: I mean, I could see Saquon Barkley winning MVP if he, It's not impossible stop for him to go that. off Stop that No Odell year. That's, that's, a, that's, that's at atrocious
3: That you say no Odell is going to determine his why? production value What do you mean why? It's because they didn't First of all Odell missed what? Like Six games last year? Okay Six or seven games now last year? Now he's missing 16 Yeah, okay. Well, it doesn't matter because Barkley didn't do bad when he was off, and he didn't do any better when he was there. I'm not saying he's going to
1: do bad. I'm just saying it's going to be interesting to watch. I think it's going to be a very uh,
3: enlightening enlightening experience for Saquon. I I mean, I disagree. First of all, I think the Giants are going to have a better record with Odell gone. The Giants are gonna be the worst team in football next year. You're literally so no, that's not a thing. (laughs) They're gonna go like three and thirteen. They're not gonna go three and thirteen. First of all, they didn't go three and thirteen last year. They they were better last year. No, okay, so they went listen, they went five and eleven last year, and when they, first of all when they had the number 1 defense in football they went 11 and 5 their their defense has gotten significantly better uh, like on the offseason through the draft they're going to have Sam Beal coming back that that kid from the supplementary draft but they've got guys, no guys, no Olivier Vernon no say, JPP no snacks save us for the first giants cowboys matchup this year
1: it's gonna I, be fun. I don't have faith in Giants at all. I'm not really. saying I have
3: faith in them like they're gonna be a playoff team. I just think they're gonna do better than five and 11. 3 and thirteen. You'd be Say, surprised. You'd be surprised, th- guys. you be surprised. Save it for that first Giants Cowboys matchup, man. Listen, man. I'm saying. I'm just. I'm just Say letting it. you know. You Daniel Jones. Two words. Daniel Jones. All right. What's next?
2: This is gonna Giants Cowboys gonna be fun this year.
3: Giants Cowboys is gonna be fun this year. going
2: be fun watching you two guys go
3: at it. Yeah, but I mean. Cowboys are obviously going to be a better team going into the season. Like, that's not up for debate. I'm not saying one is going to be better. <laughs> but still. All right, whatever. So,
2: you know what? How about them Cowboys? Whatever. I hate you guys. Whatever. Right. Wait, Jerry? Jerry's is that you? I haven't heard you in a while, Jerry.
1: Don't make
3: me do Jerry Jones.
2: Don't put him on the spot. Don't, Don't put him on the spot Jerry like Jones.
3: that. So, I uh, mean. I think I this for our football team. <laughs> Okay. Stop. Stop it. So so I'll
1: do I'll
2: do uh I'll do Voldemort. Uh, No, no 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 here's Voldemort next year. We are the champ. Give me another extension, Jerry. I got you another ring, Jerry. No. I got you Mm-mm. your ring, Jerry. Here's a championship for you. Mm-mm. Super Bowl Mm-mm. number six. Not Give me happening. another ring. All Not it. Right. Right. Give me another extension, Jason. Evan, shut up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's next, man? Guys,
2: see, this Mike Guido, Mike could I still hate Jason Garrett. Even if Jason Garrett could win three Super Bowls in a row and he'll I'd still despise it.
3: <laughs> I'd still hate him.
2: I don't blame him. <laughs> I don't blame him at all. He's a goob. He, yeah, he's just an
3: herb. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What's next, Matt?
3: Who's going to disappoint the most this NBA season? Team talk, or player? We talk about expectations a lot, and we talk about who's the best duo and who like the best team is going to be, and all these power rankings coming out. But like, who do you think is going to do the worst? Who, out of all of these expected teams, who do you think is going to kind of fall flat? I'll tell you my hot take right now. I think it's the Lakers. I think the Lakers are not going to live up to their finals expectations. I think they'll make it to the ECF, and I think they'll make it to the Western Conference Finals and lose. I hate you. Sorry, dude. Like, That's what I think is going to happen.
1: I think that there are two that could. Uh, One of them I think will definitely... It's Westbrook and Harden. We've been talking about them all day. The other one, I think with a little bit of bust potential, not really because of personalities or combustibility. I think it's more because of expectations and pressure and maybe we're giving them too much hype is... Conley and Mitchell. I, I think they could fall flat a little bit. I I love the yeah. Jazz roster, they, but it's just, it's brand new. Mitchell's never really been in the super spotlight before. Mike Conley is usually the number two, three guy behind Gasol and, you know,
3: whatever. I... I could see it falling flat. I could see it too, but Utah. Utah's very well coached. Also, they added some. You're nice, right. You're they right. added some nice pieces. They have Gobert coming off, you know, the deploy year. I think. Th- I think they're gonna do good, but I don't. I don't know if I would put them in the in another the one. Because I, because I don't think the expectations are like super high for yeah. them. I know they're high, but they're. I think they're still like kind of back down to reality.
1: Yeah. Western Conference semis, I think, is what most people have.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think so too.
1: I th- and I think that's fair. So. Uh, another one I think would be uh,
3: Doncic and Porzingis because Doncic. Uh, I still think that Porzingis won't play this whole season. Yeah, like you don't think he'd play at all, or do you think he'll only play like no? I think I game? think I think he'll play and he'll get hurt again, like he always does. Same thing, same that's thing. Like that—that's that's thing. Right that's there. what I'm afraid. That's what I'm also kind of afraid that's going to happen. LeBron, I feel like LeBron. I feel like LeBron is going to get hurt again this year too. Or I feel like for some reason, like with load management or minutes or whatever, he won't play a full season. Like in 2017 was the first time in his career he played all 82 games, right? Right. So I mean, right, now, and that's because he was he had a tremendous workload because he was pretty much doing everything himself. I feel like that's gonna he's gonna find a similar problem this year with you know playing point, bringing the ball up, everything, kind of being the man that sets everything up, even though he's not executing the majority of the of the plays, you know, he's still gonna find that this is gonna be a big load. So I hope yeah. I I listen, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope I'm wrong, but it's a lurking fear in the back of my head that I really hope Here's, it doesn't happen. Here's
2: what Mark Cuban said on Porzingis. they're gonna ease him they're gonna ease him into the year. We're certainly he says we're certainly gonna uh, we're certainly going to load we're certainly going to load manage him. You're gonna see load management more and more. The league was smart to say that you can't do it on big TV games and you can't do it on the road. So they're going to ease him into that, into uh, coming off the 20th CL. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I expect that. I expect that. I mean, but that's a, a lot of players are going to be load managed. Kawhi, LeBron, like all these players are going to get load managed. They're all going to get load managed. That's just the wave of the NBA now. All right. Good stuff, Matt. That's the news. Tis. Matt Catarazzulo, big J
3: journalist. Tis the news.
2: Tis Did you want know that quick one on Severino, though?
3: What's that? The, the, the
2: Severino, Brian Cashman news? Oh,
3: the six. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you guys want to take that Do little it. nugget. We got a few minutes. So, uh, Severino needs six more weeks, you know, because uh, of his lat. He'll need to be re-examined Saturday with the hopes of resuming a throwing program. Yeah. So, uh, the Yankees just sent their top talent scouter out to go look at Trevor Bauer in Cleveland, who's having a, who's having a good year. And, uh, I mean, I think the one thing that the Giants are kind of lacking right now is, you know, kind of the absence of an ace. Severino last year kind of had that label. You mean on the him. Yankees?
1: You said the Giants. Did I
3: say the Giants? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Well, we know what you're talking. About. Yeah, we had Go that. He- we had that heated debate before. I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Haps yeah. having Haps having a down year. Paxton is Paxton is hit or miss. No pun intended. Uh Tanaka's actually been pretty solid, and CeCe is also a little iffy. But right now, I think Severino, a healthy Severino coming back in in. The form he was in last year is kind of what the Giants just what the Giants need this year in this point in time. Yeah, I did you say Giants again? Dude, kick me out of the show. (laughs) Like, fire me right now. What the Giants need right now. I mean there was a team called the Giants. There was a
2: baseball team called the New York Giants many, many, many many years ago.
1: Many, many moons. I
2: thought uh, was interesting was Cashman said look, he could be a seventy-five pitch starter or use out of the bullpen. I don't want to use Sevier the bullpen because I need him as a starter. Right. I need him as my starter. I, I'm not using him at the bullpen. Yeah. I need him as a starter.
1: Yeah, I, I would I would agree. I, I think you need him as a starter. You need him as a starter. And if you get, you know, if he's a starter for you but he can only give you five innings, it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing, yeah. You know what I mean? Unless it's, like, there's also that part of me, though, that doesn't want him to go unless he's full strength. So, I don't know. So I, if the Giants
3: are kind of hesitant, Yankees, suck. dude. If the Yankees are kind of hesitant, do you think that they should still go after like a Stroman or a Bauer? It's <laughs> he, he, wild, man. He cr- I don't. He cracked.
2: It's he, it's, it's
3: wild, man. I don't know. It's been a long he's show. Done. Listen, there's like five we, minutes we left. All, Guido has officially cracked. <laughs> he's done. Listen, dude. There's five minutes <laughs> left. I'm oh, oh, I'm burning out right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is bad.
1: Oh my god. <sighs> the, the
3: Yankees drafted Daniel Jones this year I mean, the, in the NFL yeah. 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 Ben McAdoo is ruining the Yankees. Where is, Mac- is McAdoo coaching or is he? No. Like, does not have a job in the NFL. Aaron right Boone, now. the manager of the New York Giants. Yeah, That's funny. Eli Manning's on the mound.
1: <laughs> now batting Saquon, Saquon
2: ba- Barkley. is the leadoff hitter.
1: All right, that does it for us. Yeah, yeah we're burnt out. Yeah, we're let's just stop bullying me and just get <laughs> off the air. <laughs> all right, uh, Giants. Uh All right, Big J Journalist, Matt Cattarazzolo. Evan Massa, my producer. I'm Mike Guido. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Chalk talk is next. We'll see
0: you. You're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.